Whoa! Welcome to the Willie's World Podcast, Episode 7. In today's podcast, I chat with Tori from the one and only Herbalize Podcast. Melbourne OG talks about working at the Melbourne Zoo, the cannabis scene in America, going to Brazil on some jiu-jitsu missions, and basically just being an all-around interesting boss of life. So sit down, pull up a chair, grab a cold one, smoke a couple of billies, and listen as we talk shit like you never heard before. Boy! Okay, Willie's World Podcast, dopest dope you're ever going to smoke. Today we're in the house with the one and only Michael McManus, Herbalize Podcast. How you going, Michael? What's up, what's up, what's up? I'm down good, south bro. of the border. Going, down south yeah, of the border, man. Mexico way. What's going on down there? We live in, uh, we live in that hard lockdown life, man. Uh, like we were just talking before, before you press that record button. It's, uh, yeah, man, I think it's, it's one of the harshest lockdowns around the planet at the moment. We're confined to five kilometer radius. Um, you're only allowed out for two hours a yard time and an hour of commissary. You know, we, uh, it's, it's, it's a real lockdown, man. And every day we've got the premier up there at his press conference, treating us like a bunch of preschoolers. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's beyond a joke. But look, isn't it? it is beyond a joke, man. But look, they've created this thing where, it, you know, they're giving us little bits back and everybody's happy and everybody's happy to toe the line and, and play the game because we, according to them, it might just be around the corner that we're allowed out. And, and how's the, how's the, how he threw under his uh, health minister under the bus? Ah, oh, man. He's, that, he's, that whole thing. He's calling for 20 uh, years. Yeah, that was just embarrassing, man. Really embarrassing. No one took any accountability. And, yeah, it just just an absolute shit show. But that's uh, that seems to be the trend in politics at the moment. I was watching the debate, the great debate the other day. I caught, like, the last half hour or so of that. And that was just, man, if I was an American, it really was, right? If I was, I'd be pretty embarrassed to have that as, you know, the the national view of what's happening within my country's politics. That's just gross. Especially the ones, well, what's regarded as the biggest superpower in the world. Well, it is the biggest superpower. Russia's got a lot of hustle, but and China's on the on the come up. But really, America, you know, they run shit. Really, if you really want to talk about how the world works, that's where yep, the, they that's do. where the elites live. You know. China's got they're they backward. It, they're good at they're good at yeah. taking other people's technology and and doing a shit job of recreating it. You know they're not really innovators, and also they're not really traditionally um, conquerors by history. You know they're not like the Americans that have been. You know they've had. You know like Chomsky, Noam Chomsky wrote that book, What Uncle Sam Really Wants, um, about the economic hitmen, the economists and stuff that would go into Central and South America and topple governments and just for the and do back end deals with military leaders for their oil reserves or their natural gas or you know whatever whatever they want yep. you know? so many examples of that united fruit back in the day so yeah uh, i mean look it's um it, it's pretty wild man america you know well and now you know maybe maybe the don has got uh, has got the covid 
<laughs> How convenient. I don't know what to believe yeah, on that. Yeah, super convenient. It's fucking so It's a really good way to ditch a couple, of more, couple more debates, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I think he, he probably won. I don't know if he won that debate. I don't know if how you can judge that. And the fucking adjudicator. The adjudicator. Yeah, and like the, Biden was such a little bitch. He's like, eh, shut up. Like, you're meant to be like a political leader. Like, you got to, you know, you, you're debating Donald Trump. Like, he's, it's, it was hilarious. It was like two five year olds fighting over a Pop Tart. I live with the last Pop Tart, which is kind of. Yeah. No, you yeah. do it. No, you do it. Yeah, like, 100%. Pretty, Pretty embarrassing. So, so give us a little um, background on on yourself. Um, where are you from, um, and uh, how did you how did you get into this kind of space of working in a in a in a head shop? Yeah. So I, um, I mean, I come from a, a weird roundabout way, I guess. I um, I spent many years working in a, a not for profit conservation group, uh, Zoos Victoria. And working in a zoo is an, it's an amazing place to work, but at one point you kind of take a look around and you're only moving up if somebody dies because it's that good of working and they drop. And, and everybody above me was pretty young and pretty fit and pretty healthy. So I knew I was a kind of different advancement anytime soon at the zoo. So I cashed in my long service leave and um, I took off on a trip. and. That trip took me to America, um, where I got a bunch of friends over there in in the cannabis space, in the music space, uh, and it was it was a bit of a perfect storm. I, I bumped into an old flame. Um, she had some work for me on a cannabis farm up north, and I basically spent a couple of years um, using that. Long service money. It was a nice little chunk of change I got when I left the zoo, and then working on cannabis farms in California, training jujitsu, and then once my visa was done, I'd jump over to Brazil, uh, burn my visa in Brazil, just spending the money that I had there, just training every day, and then I'd, I'd jump back to the states. Uh, and I, I did that for nearly a couple of years um, before I came back home. And when I came home, the cannabis scene had definitely changed a lot, or maybe I was just a little bit more, my eyes were a little bit wider to it. And I remember yeah, you going woke down up to the to international a, um, scene. Totally, totally. And I, I remember going down to a 420 picnic in Melbourne. Uh, and that would have been probably four or five years ago now. So, you know, 2015, 2016. And, um, and, and I was struck by the fact that there was a community at the time. It's, it seemed like it, but there's definitely a lot of people there. There was uh, a good vibe at the place. And that was kind of the impetus for launching the podcast. I thought I could bring something into the space that, I mean, at that time, there weren't any cannabis podcasts in Australia. Um, and, and you know, I, I listened to Joe Rogan and those kind of people and I thought I could do my little thing. And, uh, and so I launched the podcast and it pretty quickly transformed from just, transformed from just being about weed to being about because weed is obviously a passion of mine, but as is jiu-jitsu and, and as is reggae music. So I kind of combine those three things, which all in a lot of ways go very much hand in hand, um, and and started the show and, and was a lot more active with it initially than I am nowadays, though that being said, there are things coming in the works. I've got some shows ready to drop. Um, and then 
I, it was like a nice sunny day. Um, my partner had been in Australia. She'd just flown back to Brazil for a, a little visa swap. And, um, and I, I needed a job. I was working at a friend's Mexican restaurant. There you go. Ironically. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so a buddy of mine's got a Tex-Mex restaurant here in Melbourne. Um, so yeah. I was working there, which was fun. But, um, you know, it, it was just a good job to come back to from overseas. It wasn't going to be a career. Um, and, and, you know, the idea of trying to enter the legit cannabis space um, was only just evolving. It was around the time medical legislation changed here in Australia. So the space was happening, but it was all governed by a lot of hardcore rules. Um, and I, one sunny day, I was like, man, I need a job. I'd, I'd always smoked at Shop Dreams, which is, you know, a, an institution uh, for stoners in Melbourne. It's a head shop that's been here for, I mean, as Smoke Dreams, it turns uh, 39 this year. Wow. But prior to that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's only like a year younger than uh, me and the boss or a year older than me and the boss. And um, and there, and prior to that, it had been a joint venture owned by um, the guys over in Fremantle. Um, so, look, it is potentially the country's oldest running head shop. Uh, and, look, I bought my first bong there when I was like a little grommet, you know, 14, 15 years old. <laughs> uh, and, look, I... It was, it was a bit of a perfect storm. The day I chose to walk in there, they were flat out busy. The, the new manager, who's now the owner, was in the store and, you know, on a Sunday or something like that, shouldn't have been. They were just that busy. They were short-staffed. And I just kind of hustled myself in. I, you know, told her who I was. I gave her a business card from the podcast and I, I basically told her she needed to hire me. And... And then I think within a, within a few days, she'd give me a call because she was so short staff. She was like, well, get this arrogant fuck in and um, give him a trial and see, see if he can put his money where his mouth is. And, uh, you know, the first day, keen as mustard, I, I smashed it. I sold a couple of grand's worth of stock in the shop and, and it was kind of history from there on out. And she's taken over the business now. It, it was under control of a lady who probably lost her heart a little bit. And I say you do something last. for a long time, you kind of get over it. It's hard. Totally. 30 years or whatever, it's, it's a long time. Yeah. It is a really long time, yeah. And she made a great quit out of it as well, you know. She's got, um, she's got a couple of properties around the country and, um, you know, she basically spends her retirement, well, prior to COVID, she was, you know, going on Graham Hancock tours in Egypt. And, Fuck, that's sick. I, want, I, want to, I really want to interview him. That's, like yeah. on my, that's on my yeah, list like, to do. Yeah, yeah it's, it's on my list too, bro. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, that, that was kind of how I worked my way in the shop. And then me and the boss, who's, who's now the owner, we just have a very similar vision as to what we want for that shop. Although, look, we, we haven't had the shop open now for, well, of the last, what are we in? We're in October, right? Start of October. So the last nine months, we've probably been open for one, two, maybe three of the last nine months, doors mm-hmm. open. Ridiculous. Because of that? lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've, you know, we there are a bunch of incentives and grants, and you know, we've gotten all the ones that we're able to get, but uh, and and rent reductions, but our our earnings capacity has just dropped immensely. I mean, even when I go into the city now in Melbourne to pack orders once or twice a week, it's a ghost town. It's uh, it's just 
There's no one there, man. And everybody I know who lived in the city has moved out. There's some interesting talk, Will, about... Autocratic society, you know, what, man. Well, people, businesses not coming back to the city potentially because, you know, if you, you think of the expenses you save, it's not just rent that you save on. You save on coffee and tea. Now, that might sound scroungy, but, but it, it over a year, up. over 10 years, over X amount of employees, that's money spent, right? And then, and a buddy of mine pointed this out the other day, like, you can't get touched inappropriately if you're working from home. Yeah, right? but it'll go back to normal. It, everyone talks about it now like it's a big like it's a big deal. It's like every other fucking thing that's happened in history. It's like a big deal in the moment. And then it'll either move on to some kind of autocratic fucking we're going to have to get a health care, a health passport, and it's basically going to be like a social check like they've got in China. Yeah. And it won't be a mandatory vaccination, but they'll, they'll put through a, va- you know, a vaccination. And if you want to go to public, Sporting events, or you want to travel, yeah. you know, you'll have to have your little passport. Showing you obey the law. Yes, Mister Sir, please stick that needle in my ass, and you know, yeah, yeah. fucking are kill me papers, quicker, sir. Yeah, are your papers? Yeah, it's <laughs> look uh, legit. I have to when I have to leave my house. You know, if I'm not going shopping or to the park with my son, yeah, I need to have papers on me, dude. And Kate up and stop. Have you what been you stopped? Have you been stopped many times? I've not actually, man. That being said, um, but I've, so, I've had a couple of friends that have had to go through the the ring of steel, um, but all for legitimate reasons, right? I mean, you, you wouldn't go through for a non. They're just doing reason. their job. The they're, fines they're, are ridiculous. They, they've been they've been over the top, and like people are causing you know causing fucking mischief with the protests and blah blah blah, and and you know the cops are the cops are turning into fucking. They're taking it too seriously. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous, yeah. and no one takes any kind of accountability. But I think it'll go back to normal. I don't. I, as you said, that the people you have to fish where the fish are. So the fish are in the city, and the fish will come back to the city because will they? I don't know. Man. They're talking about like turning it into low income housing. There's all this crazy talk. They're just going to build a slum. Yeah, in the, I in think the it's just talk. I don't think they'll allow <laughs> one of the fucking capital cities in in a Western country to have that happen. I think that everybody's just talking extremities and nonsense at the moment. This is just my personal belief. And uh, yeah, I think and it'll all end up. Cause if you think of nine 11, right. If you think of nine 11, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. If you think of nine 11, right. You know, and again, you know, that's another, uh, that's another fucking three to four hour conversation. Obviously I, I think personally it, w- it was all, you know, set up and probably yep, a lot of so. people, if you look into the science of it, it's, you know, there's a lot of, factors but really like the whole after they got the patriot act through you know after they invaded afghanistan and all that kind of bs um you know like the only really thing that changed was that when you go through an american airport you have to take your shoes off at the you know what i mean so really like there was all chaos then and this is a bit more extreme because it's the first time probably since you know 45 when the when world war ii ended because Vietnam was a big deal, but that wasn't really the whole planet. Yeah, it wasn't this a is, global thing, man. This has affected everybody, and it's like it's um, you know, and it's kind of in it's in a strange way. It, it's it was a blessing because it's put a pause on the world, and the environment's coming back. And yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of there's a lot more love now, and like people are yeah. kind of connected, and it's like it's it's kind it's changed society in a in probably in a slightly positive way for. The, the, the ramifications haven't really been seen yet and it's too short a time. We're still 
yeah. pretty much in the beginnings yeah. of this, no, right? Look, I mean, look, if, if you want to try and make the glass a little bit fuller than empty, there are certainly some positive things that, that you can take away from it. Um, you know, the financial so. hardship for so many people <laughs> is obviously the huge one, man. It's, you know, that's just the, the main one that's pretty hard to balance out. Especially in Victoria, because you guys have been in. We were in. Lo- we were in lockdown for like. I live on the border, so I'm of Queensland and New South Wales, and my parents' restaurants in Queensland. So we had to close for three months, I think, almost. We weren't allowed to operate, yeah. and then now, yeah. now my parents are busier than they've ever been. They did two hundred on Friday, uh, Friday night, two hundred on Saturday night, and then two fifty on Sunday, like lunch and dinner. They're just killing it. So, it, but it's interesting. But I think that the, the the thing that I I kind of worry about is like the mental health of people because the suicide rate's gone through the fucking roof. And like yeah. you guys are literally, you guys are living in the worst of it, and it hasn't like we don't really understand it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's fu- like I've seen videos and blah blah blah, but like it's fucking sh- it's stupid. It doesn't. It's it's in unnecessary. Look. I think of myself as a pretty mentally tough person and I think the last two or three weeks, uh, there have been a couple of times where I've caught myself and, and it, yeah, just starting to like feel. It's starting to go a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, man, totally. totally. Starting to go crazy. Cabin fever, buddy. Cabin fever. Yeah, man. And, I, and I'm lucky. Like, you know, I, I get out of the house once a week to go into the city and do my thing at the work, you know. Um I'm I'm helping a mate out with some deliveries here and there, so like I get a little bit of socialising, you know, but nothing, nothing major. I mean, I've got a young son who's about to turn three, so I mean, if you look positive, yeah, I mean, well, it isn't and isn't right. He he doesn't really have any idea of what's going on except that dad's home heats, Um, which you know any any parent will know that like that kind of like. That time, like turning three, that two and a half to three, kids like they just take leaps and bounds every day. So I've, it's been awesome. Like normally, I would have been at work for the majority of that and not been able to have so much fun with him. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's definitely it's, affected uh, it's you all guys a lot to take worse. Though. Yeah. So uh, oh, we're nearly out of it, man. But look, oh, the, that's the what they say. Life, Maybe, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they said in I'm Europe, like, and now it's down. They're all now it's just beginning again for them. Back. So who yeah. the fuck knows? And I think that I think they're going to keep us in lockdown until they fucking roll out this this vaccine, which I well, we've got these extended fucking emergency power laws. Yeah, we did it for the, and the law. The law stated that it was six <laughs> months, and now they've extended it. I think they gave him another six months. I don't think they gave him a full yeah. year, did they? They um, didn't. No, he got another six months. Yeah, but still, like he's he's very draconian. He doesn't like being questioned. They had the and the the problem. The biggest problem is is that there was a Sydney journalist there, like that came right and yep. grilled him, full grilled him, and made him kind of put him on the bitch a little bit. And just a just like tough yeah. chick who's quite intelligent. And um, I don't know what her name is, but um, in Melbourne there was like news reports like go back to Sydney, like blah blah, no, like yeah. hold the fucking cunt accountable. Excuse my French. Like yeah. you got that's yeah. your job. We you guys voted him in to be the premier yeah. and act on your behalf and in your best interests, not in the fucking you know. It, but it, see, they 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 use them. They justify the ends justifies the means, right? So yeah. so for him, it's like he's just like I'm fixing it. So it's like it's not a totally problem. man. Yeah. What I say because it's in the best interest of you. 
and you know, at some point when when we do achieve that COVID normal and we get back, you know, he might take a take one for the team and step down. But he he really seems to have a good approval rate here with the masses. No, and he won't. He won't step know. down. No way. Fuck no. He fucking he's like yeah. he's Superman. That's why. He does. Anyways, but anyways, whatever. It is what it is. You can't change it. It's fucked up, and it is no. what it. So let's let's go. Let's talk about a little bit more about you. So you worked at the Melbourne Zoo for a long time. You told me, which I, I did, was quite yeah. shocked by. Yeah. That was pretty. That's pretty yeah. fucking interesting, right? And I know a lot of random yeah. people, but that I that's. And so, did you work at the seal show or the the um so with I, the bird show or something? You said. Yeah. So technically, my role was like a presenter. So I would do the elephant show, the seal show. Uh, we'd do uh, an orangutan talk. We'd you know all, all the natives. So it was pretty varied position. We'd also do the the overnight camps and stuff like that there. Uh, when so guests cool. would stay overnight. Yeah, it was great, man. Like the greatest thing about doing the camps was that after you put your guests to sleep and you got, you know, I think maximum twenty five people there. After you put them to sleep and they're in their tents, you're the only person in the zoo. You and you and the guy you're working with or the girl you're working with. Did you with, go explore? Did you zoo. go explore? Like mate. Bro, when I started working at the zoo, that's so it, fucking it, cool. Like, like I, I worked there for nearly ten years. It's like night like at the museum, years. but you got it, to do it every it was, night, bro. all the time. Oh, dude. So fucking Man. cool with like animals. Like it's so cool, dude. And when I started there, it was it was like the end of the Wild West days of the zoo, right? And and over the like the last four or five years, it became very corporate. Um, health and safety stuff was like you know priority, and and the zoo culture changes as a big part of that. But those Wild West years, man, like the dude who hired me originally was fucking crazy dude, man. Actually, he when the whole Tiger King sparked off, there was a there was an article about Victoria's Tiger King. Yeah, about and, him. Uh, yeah, Prender, um, Ron Prendergrass. And that's that's the guy who hired me, right? Like and it, he he's a wild man, right? He's is not he a, a tiger. Is he a zoologist? Is that what he's? Yeah, he was a zookeeper. He worked at the ti- the Lion Park in in Victoria for a long time, which was a cowboy place. You know, they walked around with revolvers on their waists and shit like that. That's so gangster. But That's sick. Prender, Prender was just—he was crazy, man. And he would, you know, it was common knowledge that if you got into the zoo early enough in the morning, or if you're working a camp, you have to kind of stay away from the old seal pool because old mate would quite often be stark naked having a swim with the seals. That's so fucking just, just, gangster. That was the Cause, start cause of his he, day. That's because he's that's so cool. That's the best thing I've ever heard. That's seriously the coolest thing I've ever fucking heard. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, I just imagine same, this guy swimming. That's fucking funny. And he'd do it yeah, every day. The same guy. Yeah, pretty much. It was like his clockwork thing, you know, depending on who was on. And then it, you know, it slowly pulled up because health and safety, and he left as soon as there was a sniff of that kind of stuff in the air. He was out of there because he knew it wouldn't have lasted long anyway. This is the same guy. Like when he when he hired us, you know, we were when in between giving talks, we were supposed to be out and around the zoo. And one part of it was particularly thematic to like be like Southeast Asia. Like you walked out of the city into Southeast Asia, very immersive environment. And we were there to kind of activate it with narratives and, and kind of performance works throughout yeah, the space, yeah. right? And he, to check us, to check on us, because it was a job that was, if you wanted, and dudes did, 
would just disappear and go sleep under a bench, you know, because no one was really checking in on you. As long as you're at your map time talks, and particularly in those Cowboys days, they were pretty loose. Um, and this guy would just pop out of the bushes in a costume, like a fake beard <laughs> and, a, you know, and, and watch and make sure you were doing your job. Oh, I need to interview whole... this guy, dude. I need to interview... <laughs> What an interesting cat. He had cat. a whole bag of costumes. He was, he was a total character, man. Oh, that's the coolest thing. Of... Dude, what a I'll, strange... I'll find you the link to the um, Tiger King article and I'll shoot it through to you, man. I'll put it in the ex- description. Book. He'd be an interesting. Yeah. Maybe we can do a podcast with him and you together. That'd be fucking hilarious. Yeah, I might be able to. His son's actually a really super talented um, animator. Oh, really? That's he's done a, cool. He's done, won a bunch of awards and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting when you you have the like pirate dad that like te- like the was it, like the influence on you. You know what I mean? So he's like, that's that's totally. cool. So um, so yeah, how long I'm did you work there for? Man. How long did you work there for? Yeah, so nearly ten years, man, and. I had some pretty awesome opportunities through there. I spent, I spent about well, over a few different trips. I spent nearly twelve months uh, working in one of our conservation projects in Borneo, uh, which was based. It was, it was a small NGO set up by a French couple, uh, and I mean they'd be coming up to twenty years there now. Probably, no, even longer. They'd been there for fourteen years when I got there. It was two thousand and twelve or something, um, and. They work with a small uh, barangay or a little village, right? There's like 2,000 people in it. It's right on the Kinabatungan River, which is like one of the largest river systems in the world. It runs all the way through Borneo. So so uncharted territory. One of the last fucking unexplored places in the world, like fully. When you get deep. When you get deep. I mean, these guys, man, look, I'm bringing stats back from a while ago, but I think they had 26,000 hectares of protected area across a few different spots because one of the big problems uh, through Borneo, obviously, is palm oil farming, yeah? And it's yeah. Uh, the first time I flew into Borneo uh, as the plane was coming down, looked out the window, I'm like, wow, oh, it's beautiful, lush, green everywhere as far as the eye can see. And then as you come a little bit further down, you see that that lush green is actually perfectly planted rose as far as the eye can see, it's just a network, yeah? Um, and then a lot of these palm oil plantations uh, run up to the river. A lot of them try and encroach on sanctuary. Um, so essentially what this NGO did was they, they work within this village. They employ locals, um, about 50 or 60 different locals. They build a bunch of infrastructure, like a, a kind of tourist area. They run uh, a few guiding services, out into the forest, which is kind of how they make a bit of money from the tourist side of things. But on the back end of that, they are they're, they're doing like legit um, data surveys uh, of, of orangutans in the area, so behavioural studies and things like that, which over 15, 20 years become really significant studies because they they develop to the point relationships with the animals. I mean, they're, they're wild orangutans. Some of them are habituated from from uh, orangutan sanctuaries. But over 20 years of seeing the same guys walk through your forest who don't cause you any harm, they get much, much more chilled. Um, and mm. alongside that, you have a, a team that work in what's called elephant management mitigation. So elephants will will rock into a, um, a palm oil plantation causing havoc 
right? And a, and a palm oil farmer just wants to get rid of the elephants. They'll lay poison, they'll do traps, they'll go out and shoot the animals. Um, and, and with weapons, calibers that aren't capable of killing an elephant at all, just annoying them and hurting them. So what this team does is they essentially go, if a farmer has elephants in their crop, they give them a call, say, hey, I've got them here. We, we go out there, we locate the elephants. And again, these guys have been working in this area for a long time. Now, Borneo has this species of, Af- of Asian elephants, sorry, called the, um, the pygmy Asian elephant. And they're not tiny pygmy, but they're, when you think of an elephant elephant, they're small, right? But they still get to two tons, two and a half ton. A bull might get so, up to so, four. So how big, how, big, how big is like the biggest one, like just as a reference point? To like-, uh, like a big... A big bull elephant, like a big pygmy bull, it might get to like four ton, right? Whereas, for instance, like a, a oh, big Asian on the big. mainland, yeah. they're still big, yeah. An Asian on the mainland, he might get to seven ton, yeah? So, you know, he's almost half the size. So when you're talking elephants, he's a pygmy, but when you're standing next to one, there's nothing pygmy about him. Um, so these guys have a now there's the story goes as to how these elephants got into borneo as they were given as a gift to the sultan of brunei however many hundreds and hundreds of years ago and at one point one of the sultans just let them go he didn't want to look after them anymore it was something that his great grandfather had done or something he just let them go and as a result they, they tend to be pretty docile animals and and the thought is because they were once domesticated animals so they're not as dangerous as say a wild African elephant, but you're still in some potential risk. But these guys develop these relationships and it's amazing to watch them just walk into paddocks right alongside elephants and basically just clap their hands at them like you would shoo a dog off, you know, and, and get them to move out, in, in, you know, in as least destructive manner as possible and get them back into the forest. And if, if the situation dictates do a, a serious relocation, you know, and, and, and did you them. ever have to, did you ever have to do a serious relocation? No. Oh. Whilst I was there, we had, we had four elephants that were at the local, like the, the, the local government ranger station. And they were quite problematic elephants that just kept returning to a spot. Um, and we tried a couple of relocations with those girls and they, yeah, it, it just didn't work out. And, that was on, I think it was on my first trip there. And in between my first and second trip, they'd managed a successful relocation of that group of animals. So they got out there. But I mean, the great thing about these NGOs, and, and I've worked with, with others as well around the world, is the involvement that they get with communities. And they, yeah. you know, they're paying wages, they're putting money into the local economy, um, they're building infrastructure in, in a lot of means. They're empowering, as well. they're teaching them to fish instead of just yeah. giving them fish, they're teaching them how to exactly. fish. Exactly. That's yeah, what that's yeah. economic sustainability, and that's tourism. 100%. That should that's how tourism should be done, in my opinion. Yeah, and so as a result, you know, this village has a really successful prior to COVID had a really successful homestay program. You know, with tourists from all over the world, you come in, you stay at a traditional uh, house um, because as a result, there's there's now a bunch of people in the village who speak pretty good English too, um, and some. I mean. When you have an NGO like that, you have a bunch of people coming in from all over the world. Uh, working on their own projects, yeah, and that adds a little bit of funding. So when I was there, there was actually a girl from uh, Australia there who was doing a PhD on regenerative rates of forests after elephants um, move through them. Uh, there was there was a uh, German guy 
doing a PhD on the parental tendencies of leeches. These are the fucking wacky people that you run into. That's pretty interesting. When you're, uh, yeah, but that's yeah, all relative. It's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. I think the only other place in the yeah. world that is like probably gnarlier than there, obviously, is the deep Amazon. And there's probably, I think that there's some, um, some ancient giant cities that are buried underneath, you know, that are just, you know, being just taken over by a canopy and fucking, you know, yeah. the rainforest sure. I mean, just eats shit, right? You cut out. Mm, shit. recording so how so that that would have been a pretty interesting experience eh? like living in borneo did you um get to explore a lot of the country yeah man i mean in this this one trip we took i mean most of the work was within the local sanctuary but we would every now and then take a trip down the river to the the next village down which had like 200 people in it there's this one trip we went down with a bunch of polys who were in there. They, they just installed some solar panels at schools uh, throughout the district, right? And I'm, they were just taking photos and, you know, writing articles and shit like that. And the last village we went to, we were probably on the river for best of a week going down the river. Wow, um, that's gnarly. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, but awesome, man. Like, just, that's pretty I mean, cool. The group of guides you're with can just disappear into the jungle in a matter of seconds and come back with a bunch of food. You're constantly bumping into fishermen along the river, so you buy some crabs, you buy some fish, you buy whatever, and then just feasts every night. And what um, about what about the animals in that part of the world? Like, what did you see any? Um, like, do they have Sumatran tigers? Like they do in um. There's on Java. There's potentially a very small species of. Uh, Sumatran tiger in the local area, some sun bears as well. well that's um, cool. That part of Borneo, it, it, it has a lot of diversity, some amazing bird life, hornbills and stuff like that, just, you know, ancient-looking crazy birds. Um, and, and a good population of crocodiles as well. Uh, the river can be a bit can be a how, bit gnarly if you're in the how big, spot. How big, how big are the crocs? They're like, like over 10 foot? They're all over- fresh. They're all freshwater. They're all freshies. Yeah, okay. so you know, kind of like six, seven foot. Still eat um, you, which is still a lot of crocodile, bro. Yeah, fucking yeah, oath, you know dude. Me. Fuck, they're oh, like that your leg underneath. Fuck no, dude. Some dude got killed at the at the beach that I surf at, like all the time at Greenmount at, on, on Superbank, right? Like yeah. two weeks ago, and my little brother got out of the water like quite close to him, like twenty minutes before. Shit. And that's the first time in 55 years of an attack on the Gold Coast. And then about probably about three months ago, maybe a little bit longer, there was an um, attack at Cabarita, which is another place that I surf, which is kind of like probably 15 minutes south into New South Wales. Like it's on the other side yeah. of two heads. Like, and so that, that was where they had the world, the, the wannabe world tour <laughs> surf comp like two weeks ago. That's a yeah, right. story. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah. it's interesting, like um, – What's going on in the world at the moment? Everything's gone fucking chaotic. 
I'd be, it'd almost be awesome to be in the jungle and, and not have to deal with it all, you know, just like living yeah, life. Yeah, oh, 100%, man. For those guys, I imagine life is pretty much still still the same as it was when I was hanging out with them, yeah, you totally. know, a few years ago now. Yeah, once you're um, out in the middle of nowhere, it's not going to affect you. No, it's, it's amazing, man. Um, so this, this last village we get to at the end, maybe 50 people there, maybe 50 people in the whole village, right? Yeah. And I have an experience there. I think it's just, the second time I have this experience in my life, I think I've had it three times now. I'm the first white person they've ever encountered. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's and just 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 spun out. But the 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 night that we're there, because they're a bit lower uh, in the in the river system, closer yeah. to the mouth, and there's um there's there's a massive there'd been a massive flood, like quite large, to the point where it over flooded the banks to a, a massive degree. To the point where the plants deplete the oxygen so much in the water that the fish and the prawns just are kind they call them drunk. The locals say that they're drunk. And they you can literally like there's dudes walking out and just plucking prawns out of the river that are that are as, as big as your forearm, um, these giant river prawns, and and just catching fish. And so, like, just this feast that we had of just and just literally walking out and just nabbing them all up, and they're just oxygen deprived. That's how, you know, that's how large the flood is. It's how far yeah. it's overspilled. The whole into river the system. Yeah. yeah, into the surround that the plants have depleted the oxygen to a level that so it, it affects the fish, it affects the, the the prawns, it affects the wildlife in the, in the river. There's an interesting um, uh, podcast that Joe Rogan did with this dude. And he's Asian, and he's Hawaiian Asian, and uh, he yeah. goes to the Congo. He's like somehow when he was like twenty two or something. You should listen to it; it's really interesting. I, but he goes I, I on. I know that group, man. Uh, Richard, Rich, uh, David Chen, David yeah. Chen. Yeah. yeah, I don't know he's what. Fucking, he's awesome. What he's I don't, awesome. I don't know a lot about that dude. But anyways, he did a bunch of shit for, with Vice and stuff. But he was talking about yeah. how they went on a journey into the Congo to try and find this like dinosaur looking kind of like prehistoric yeah. thing that's still hiding there because the Congo is yeah. massive, bro. There's like a lot of unexplored areas of that place. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, no, I, I remember listening to his podcast and the first time he got there, just kind of how underprepared he was. And I, I've always been fortunate that when I've been in situations like that, I've been working with locals. So they, they're totally prepared. They've lived there their whole life. But I can only imagine how terrifying it would be to just all oh, the story that he tells about like that. being with the german this german mate that thinks he's because they had to lie and he had to say that he was his assistant and like the german guys like being a c-u-n-t trying to like tell him what to do and blah 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 and he's like freaking out and then and then they realize at the end of the story they realized that they were like within the first 20 miles of the jungle yeah. you know just, I mean? that, like, that's that's how gnarly Thick, thick jungle can be, man. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, for sure. If, if you don't know where you're at, uh, getting lost in it is, is pretty easy. Uh, yeah. um, you know, even with experienced guides, you can, if, like in situations where you're tracking trek, animals and you get off the beaten path a little bit. So you, what do you think about you know, the possibility? When you start of, seeing your guides. What do you think about the panther here? What do you think that's real? The pan- I, I, I know it's real. The panther that, have you heard about the panther that lives in Australia, the black yeah. panthers? You yeah. know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. I picked up hippie yeah, once man, on the look. way back from Nimbin and he swore saw he swore to God that he saw it. And then one of my dad's friends, who's was actually a big grower from down near your way, um, 
he yeah. is a pretty straight shooter. He's a fucking asshole, and he would not talk shit. And he said yeah. that well, he talks a lot, but he does. He would never make anything up, right? And he yeah. reckons that he was with his daughter and they're driving, and he saw a cat like a black shadow come, and then he jumped the, the fence like the high cattle fence in like one bound and went like ten feet past it, and just and took off. So yeah, I mean, look, it's it's. It's not impossible. There's no doubt about it. There's all sorts of stories of circuses shutting down, shipwrecked things along the uh, historically. But man, I've seen some pretty scary feral cats in my time. Uh, a feral cat gen- after a generation or two. Woo! Yeah, they're pretty- big. They're scary. And I mean, depending on where, because they kind of acclimatize a little bit to their environment. So if they're in a if they're in a really dense scrubland, they won't get as large, right? People say, oh, they're not that big. But if you see a feral cat that lives in kind of like sparse, like to open areas, they fucking, after a few generations, they get scary big. Yeah, interesting. It's like, what do you think about like the potential of a yowie or like a, you know, like the, the Aboriginals called them a bunyip? A bunyip. Yeah, oh, in Australia, quite, yeah. quite possibly, man. I mean, we have so many amazing microclimates in Oz uh, that support amazing diversity in species, man. And for something like that, I mean, there's no, it, it would potentially fill an evolutionary niche that hasn't been filled in, in Australian evolutionary history in terms of local flora and fauna. Have you ever seen a freshwater crayfish before that looks like an alien? They're little and they crawl up the fucking it estuaries. They look yeah, like- man, that's what I'm talking about. Those fucking prawns that were like, man, they were some freaky ass things. They look like aliens. It's interesting. They might be there, man. So, um, have you spent much time in New Zealand at all? Okay, so we got you know the Dude, subject of the day is that they're going to have a national referendum about the legalization of recreational cannabis under the laws that they're proposing. They're saying that you have to be over, I think it's over 19 or 20, and then you have to. Um, you yeah. can buy up to 14 grams a day. This is what I gather. I might be wrong. So, And then I don't yeah. think they're going to allow for the commer- commercialization of products like with branding and stuff like that, you know, like you know, like that. Yeah. That's what I've been There's, told. Yeah. And, and also, an sorry, to, and I just wanted to finish. No, and what, finish and what, there, the other thing that I, I was told, which is I don't know if you know or not, is that, they're going to give the licenses to a lot of like community groups and like charities and stuff to be able to make money off for good causes. Yeah. I was yeah. Right. So um, I have, I haven't spent any time in New Zealand. I've spent a bit of time in New Zealanders, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I used to have a bit of attention for Kiwi ladies. Oh, um, I liked it in the body. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Look, I, I just recently had a, a chat and it's going to be an upcoming podcast, but it's also available on my Instagram at the moment with Abe Gray. Do you know who that dude is? I, I don't know much. Like I lived in New Zealand for like a long time, like for winters. Like I used to go, when we yeah. moved up here when I was like 15, I went over there and did the heli challenge. And then I used to, I lived in Wanaka and um, Queenstown on and off for fucking like almost 10 years, nine, nine seasons or 10 winters in a row. And I used yeah. to go up north and buy pan- uh, yeah anyway buy pounds and from Mochwaku yeah. in near Nelson. Well, and uh, Abe is uh, Abe is this figure who 
I think the nicest compliment, one of the nicest compliments I might have ever been given, it was by him actually. He was visiting Melbourne and he came into the shop and he said, I heard you're kind of the me of Australia. And I wish, like, Australia is missing an Abe Gray. He's just a, a kind of tireless, um, you know, warrior for, for cannabis legalization and has been for the longest time. He's, uh, forgive me, he's, he's either Canadian or American by birth, but he's lived in New Zealand for the last 25, 30 years or something, right? And he, he runs the Fakumana Cannabis Museum, um, which for the longest time they had a, a bed and breakfast there, right? And, you know, their claim to fame was a max occupancy consistently for like the three years that they ran it or whatever because any tourist, any smart tourist who wants to get onto weed in New Zealand, you know, you, you stay at the fucking Cannabis New Zealand uh, Airbnb and you're pretty sure you're going to get hooked up, what? right? Per capita they smoked so, the most in the world and then they oh, had the man. most draconian law. Sorry. Well, yeah, they, their medical legislation just came through this year, right? It, it held off a little bit longer than ours. Um, and luckily for them, because they their end legislation, right, is much more patient-friendly, much more grower-friendly, um, like the, the, the prohibitive costs in security and stuff like that that exists here aren't as profound in, in uh, New Zealand. But the way a kind of talked about it was that you know you're right with those community groups but he said it was kind of like the perfect storm in that you had these uh local indigenous groups community groups and then on the other side you had like big business interests as well and and he said it it was the perfect storm in the sense that like you know the the general new zealand public would have a concern about whatever it was right security or something like that and so big business could kind of step in and go, well, don't worry, we're always going to be able to address that kind of thing. And then environmental groups would have some issues and then the, the community groups could come in and say, you know, so it kind of ended up, even though they're opposing groups, they very much ushered in this very, um, like I said, patient-friendly slash grower-friendly legislation through all the trade-offs that happened along the way. So, yeah, and and... The vote, the vote comes up. Yeah, it's uh, October nineteenth because they postponed it with their Corona lockdown. And if you're uh, if you're an overseas New Zealander listening to this before October nineteenth, vote. You're allowed to vote, so vote. Um, and they um, they don't anticipate like uh, they anticipate it'll passing, go, but even it'll if go it through, does, hundred percent. Yeah, like it, if it doesn't, I'll be very surprised. No, it, it, it will go through. But what Abe was explaining to me, and I'm, you know, just regurgitating stuff, um, was kind of the lag in between it actually coming into effect and, and being applicable. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, right, as a patient, you can get a, a card from any GP in the country. It doesn't have to be a specialist. In, in New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah, in yeah. New Zealand. That's worth pointing out because that's not the case here. Um, and, yeah, like you said, those limits of, X amount of grants, fourteen grams a day, or twenty-one grams, or something that's like still that. Still pretty good. Place. That's not bad. That's, that's like that's great. half an hour. That's not bad. Yeah, that's great. I'll fuck um, with that every day. You know what I mean? Like of the totally. cron. I mean, if if you're a big big smoker, it might not be a, applicable to you. But if you're oh, lit, that, you not know. many, no one's not many people smoke a half hour a day. Like I know a lot. No, of that's people. true. That's smoke a that's quarter, a like weed, smoking man. mad bongs, and yeah. you can do it if you're smoking blunts and fucking big. 
you know, yeah, white paper that's dudes. That's how you've got to do it. Yeah. But, um, and know. most people that smoke weed like that uh, grow the weed. That's the only way you can afford to smoke weed like that is you grow yeah. a ton of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time. Oh, well, you know Canada, someone who does. And I got a, I got a pound for like eighteen hundred bucks, and it was like the best weed I'd ever seen. It was like Northern Lights or something like that, and I just got it off. And I, we smoked, yeah, like three quarters of it in like a week and a half or something like that. Yeah, that, then you, you hear a, a market gluts of people selling pounds for two hundred dollars in parts of the US, two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, yeah, it's it's the quality, but it's different. It's again, I, I, I think it's amazing. It's the time of year. Well, pot. This is all. It's all good pot in America. Everything's good, and you don't it get none of that bullshit shit that we have here. Like, it's there's not there's good weed here, but there's the lack of consistency is very oh, very yeah. difficult to find. Some of the I, funniest things I've ever seen in the states, man, was like Golden Gate Park. You know, just after kind of harvest had happened, and there's bums like, you know, and everybody's probably heard about the homeless problem in in uh, San Francisco and Southern Cali- and California to that extent. Um, but yeah, San Fran. It's San Francisco. It's it's gnarly, right? The, the, I've never been to San Fran. The, the tent cities. Um, so Golden Gate Park, which is you know where the hippie movement all launched and started at the top of the Hague and Ash, uh, Hague Street. Um, that you just see these dirty, filthy bums, right, with like the biggest bag of weed, like multiple pounds in one bag of weed, and just like by their side as they're like slumped out on a park bench, you know, with just like a couple of pounds of weed in their bag. And it's like here in Australia, it would fetch top, top dollar, you know, but that's how much, particularly after the outdoor season is done, there's just a glut of, of cannabis in the market. But yeah. the thing I think, like when I was working there was prior to wreck, and I was getting paid anywhere from like, depending on the farm, and it kind of like, you got paid less if your living conditions were good, if they supplied food. You had a shower, like an indoor toilet and all that kind of stuff. So like in the best of accommodations, you might get anywhere from $150 to $180 for every pound that you trim. Um, and then in a shittier one where you're like living in your own tent and you've got to go into town and buy your own food and, and that kind of stuff, you might get 200 250 bucks a pound. So, I mean, obviously those rates are just not applicable at the moment if you can't even sell a pound for that much in some well, instances. Well, that, that's actually potentially changed because of the fires and like if yeah, you, well, there's a bunch yeah. of articles I can send yeah, you true. a whole bunch of shit went up my friend hasn't my mate a mate that I've met the pro skier dude um he uh his house in Napa Valley burnt I saw it on Instagram the other day yeah, he had like a before um, photo and then the after photo of the fucking of the uh of the house it was pretty gnarly yeah. um yeah. so 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 okay. Yeah, so New Zealand. One New, season I was there, there yeah, was some sorry. particularly bad fires. Yeah. Look, what, so, actually, what's really interesting about New Zealand, Will, and it's yeah. it's worth talking about, and it's the thing that got that actually made me get in contact with Abe at the start, is that as a part of as a part of this medical legislation. Did you lose me there, or are you good? No, I'm still good. I got you now. It's just lag sometimes. Yeah, as a part of this. As a part of this medical legislation, there's a genetics amnesty, right? Mm. So what that, what that means if you're a, a New Zealand cultivator, a black market cultivator for years, right, you have an ability to enter your genetics into the medical realm, right? 
Wow, that's and, pretty and, cool. And the, and the cost isn't obscene. Uh, and you can do it as a seed. It's like a caregiver's card that they used to have and, in California. That's what they used to do. You could have a – so when – this is like in like before 2010, I think. And you'd have a caregiver's card and then each – each count because in America there's there's federal law, state law, county law, campus law, right? So each if the if a state legalize yeah. like um if California legalized medical cannabis, right? Um, the state this is back in the day that the state could then yeah. or the county could then choose whether they would they would uh, adhere to the state laws or they would adhere to the federal laws. Like they're allowed to, like one of my friends got done, and he yeah. you can have a yeah. caregiver's card. There's actually. And you could grow. I think. I think you could sell up to like six pounds or something like that to like to dispensaries, to medical yeah. dispensaries and stuff like that. And then there was a there was a limit on yeah. how many you could grow, right? And if it was an agricultural yeah. county, like where my family lives in Kern County, which is that's like the middle, the middle, the over the other side of the grapevine, kind of up from LA. Yeah. That yeah. that county, and then I think that it's um not um where Gardnerville is, like in Grass Valley. I think one of those. Yeah. And then there's yeah. I think that I don't know if it's um a K uh, if it's um, Humboldt County or it's um, what's the county that's next to Humboldt again? What's it called? Arcadia. Arcadia, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I thought I was going to say Arcadia, but that's the that's the town, isn't it? I think I've yeah. been there before. Um, I used to. Yeah, I, was, I spent a bunch of time up near Mount Shasta in Red yeah. Bluff, yeah. Redneck Red Bluff. Um, that was yeah. It's a, it's a weird mix of like rednecks and old deadhead hippies, you know. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's a weird part of the world, but there's this. There's actually a town out there, a county, and it's called Weed. Yeah, and, that's awesome. And they they always adhere to federal law. Like you, you can be, you know, in the gold in the green triangle, you yeah. know, and literally across like cultivating pounds of weed, uh, and then you go into a town called Weed, and if the local sheriff there catches you with any weed, you're Foxville. That's funny. Um, it's all it's all a walking. Point. It's all a hypocrisy, isn't it? Um, yeah, one of my friends that works, who, that's going to run my new CBD company, she's a chick that I've known for years, and she used to run Burning Seed, like for, and she's yep. on the council of Burning Man, right? But she, yep. she, she and a friend of hers, they start or they ran the first medicinal dispensary in North America in mm-hmm. the, from like 98 until like 2002 or something like that. She's yeah. OG. She knows all the. She's fucking triple OG. Cumbolt, like yeah. It's in, it's interesting having conversations with her. And actually, I met her. She she um I met her in Mardi Gras years ago. And I was in the line for the ATM, and my friend had his red with him, his red epic or whatever. We we're filming a doco. Yeah. And um and she's like, I start talking to us, and she she was there for high times, like writing an article. And she yeah, ended up cool. becoming one of them. She's actually lives in Melbourne. I have to introduce you to her. She actually yeah, really, that'd be great. He'd be a really interesting person for you to interview. Actually, she's yeah, she, yeah. You'd, you'd be like she's she's OG. <laughs> yeah, that'd she's be cool. a fucking cool chick. Yeah, we probably know some people in common from up in that area too. Probably, yeah. She's yeah. she's fucking. She's worked for Burning Man for like oh, I think like twelve or thirteen years, something yeah, like right. that, maybe longer. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I think she's been to sixteen in a row or something like that. Yeah. And it's interesting the people yeah. you meet on the little journey. So, so going going back to the the kiwi thing, right? And that's great that they can you can enter those into the market like that as a as a grower, like kind well, of similar the, to the you know the laws the in Oakland. Reaches- yeah, 
Can you hear me still? I just want to say, like, the further reaching implications of that genetics thing, right? Yeah. Is that if you're an Australian grower, uh, or or if you're a, a grower in California, in Colorado, you don't actually have a means to get your genetics into a legal medical system because of federal restrictions in America, right? So say you're the creator of Granddaddy Purple or whatever the hype strain is, right? You now have the ability to get that into the world's medical cannabis market. How you uh, actually capitalise off that financially, I don't know that there's a way to do that necessarily, but in terms of just putting the genetics there, uh, you know, I, I... I think some people would be keen to do that. Now, you know, like something like Mullumbimby Madness, right? If you're an old school Nimbum grower that has the legit Mullumbimby Madness, you know, the yeah. OG, yeah. you could potentially get it to New Zealand, you, uh, someone in New Zealand. They could log a clone. They could log a seed. And then now CanCorp, uh, you know, whoever here in Australia has legitimate growing concerns are able to now order up that genetics yeah no and that's that's pretty awesome they have a <clears throat> they have a program in um certain counties in california and it's um like some kind of like i don't know if it's a restoration i don't know if the right if that's the right word where they give former inmates that have been charged with weed crimes um access to the medical uh, to, to the dispensary licenses so the, yep. the our weed dispensary, the process to get a um, a license is pretty gnarly, right? Took a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what what a lot of those um, people in San Fran are doing is that they're they're paying off or you know giving the guy a, a fucking um, wage or whatever to use him as the front man for the for the op, you know. Yeah. But it's interesting that they do that. You know, they're trying to like you know give back to the people that have been punished for their crimes for. For, for cannabis, really. It's an interesting way yeah. to go about it. Um, but they, <coughs> well, they need. It surprise me that that happens in San Francisco because it's a very. Liberal, yeah. Liberal like I said, spot. I've spent a lot of time in LA and, and Mammoth and stuff, but I've never really been to San Fran. I've been to the airport a couple of times, but NorCal, more so like up nor- northern, northern Cal. Yeah. I love the Bay Area, man, but like it's grimy. It's, it's a hell of a yeah, grimy life. Like, LA is grimy as fuck, too. Yeah. And, but, um, yeah, I, I love spending a bit of time in, in the Bay. It's really nice, man. Like, you know, San Fran, Oakland, all around there, it's, it's really nice, man. And then there's the more toffier areas as well, like Berkeley and stuff. But <clears throat> uh, I, I've had some fucking great times over there, bro. So the mission, what, do you, like, what do you think that oh, this will – what do you think this is going to do like – okay, so Canada's legal now, right, whether you like this yeah. system or not? Certain states are in, like, I think it's eight states that's legal now, like, recreationally. Maybe I might be wrong. Yep. Um, so then New Zealand goes, okay. Now, we've spent, Alec and I, the that Craze Coast, shout out to that homie. We've done, like, so many, or we've done, what, stunts, like, five years in a row, I think. Is it five? Maybe it's four. I'm, I'm, anyways, whatever it is, right? Spend yep. all the money, blah, 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 try to get people to talk about it. And it's kind of like when they talk about it on 420, it's kind of like... um you know, the ha-ha stoners, you know what I mean? Like that kind of. Yeah, yeah. So what, what do you think that, obviously, I think the, the common Australian, I think if there was a referendum, there would be a, um, it, would, it would happen here, right? Because if like a plebiscite. No, I think so. 
but you know, it's not a um, it's like it, it's smoking. Look, I mean, the conversation's kicking off. It, Ca- Canberra now has has legislation. There's totally, but it's deg- there's a big difference between New Zealand's legalization and Canberra's decriminalization. So people Massive. need to understand that. So that's yeah. that's a commercial trade that's going to happen, and you'll be able to go yeah. into a shop like an alcohol store and purchase yeah. cannabis products, which is well, fucking amazing, yeah. right? That's fucking how it, it's amazing. It's the best thing in the fucking world. I love fucking sure. going into dispensaries and just going, oh my god, I want to have this. It's yeah, it's like that ridiculous. scene from Willy Wonka. You're you're, oh, you're like, what? especially because we don't have it. You know what I mean? So it's like that. You know, if you have it all the time, then you probably get over it, but. For yeah. our, like it's like going to Amsterdam. The times you've been, you know, like it's like it's a, it's a it's an experience, you know. Totally. Look, I I think one of Australia's biggest problems with getting to recreational cannabis is that we don't actually even have a medicinal cannabis market. We have a pharmaceutical cannabis market, and once once big farmers involved in something, you know, you know, there's a lot of golden handshakes that have already been made, man, and. And people have to collect on them. They have to come good. And if you look at canister stocks in Australia, none of them have come good. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to be a Hemp's big the answer, bro. Hemp. I'm working with some dudes. They've got ten thousand acres going in in Charters Towers, and they yeah, I, they're working with Ecofiber, and they've developed a, a plant that they've genetically altered that is just the stalk, right? So it's not, yep. it's got no flower and they've yep. got fourth generation seeds, right? From that area. Yep. And it's right on the river. It's great growing. It's like used to be all whatever. I don't know what it was. Um, and uh, they'll be able to grow a, uh, you know, quite a large three to four meter uh, hemp plant in like probably just over a month. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I well, mean, that's the only way that you can like scale that. something like that. Hemp grows really quickly, but if you really wanted to, to be able to change like so many things that it could be applicable for, there's just not the there's not the amount of hemp being grown in the world to be able to do that. You know what I mean? So this kind yeah, of shit, sure. that's that's a, I see that as the more of the of the play that'll be allowed here and tolerated here is like that alternative kind of market, the health and wellness. It's like the CBD that they're going to, the TGA is going to legalize and they're talking about 30 milligrams per fucking, per day. What the fuck are you going to do with 30 milligrams? Yeah. Like, yeah. Stupid. Yeah, look, it's, it's but as if it time. wasn't always going to be lots of little baby steps, you know, we're going to, we're going to be lagging and at a point we're going to take a look around. And do you see. think it's actually possible? To get to the, uh, to the other, I think it's. I don't think it'll happen in the next twenty years. There's no. I don't. I do not see that happening. To be honest with you, I well, think that there's. We're too right wing here. Look at fucking your Dan Andrews. Look at fucking Palaszczuk and fucking Berejiklian. You know, like they're just yeah. Berejiklian. Right? Went on. Went on. They got. They into this is to give you the, the sentiment of the one of these premiers, right? So in the new, she's the New South Wales premier. She was asked about her take on the legal the decriminalization in canberra right we went and filmed that what blah 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 bullshit bullshit but she said that i don't i i'm would never over basically over my dead body and she's she said in reference she said i don't want my children growing up and having this kind of potential influence on them but like her job right isn't to have a fucking moral compass for the society her fucking her job is to do the will of the people 
So the, the, what you, whatever your personal yeah. belief structure is for the um, for your children is not applicable to me. I'm a fucking adult. I don't give a fuck about your kid. Like it's yeah. your kid. You deal with it, right? Yeah. So that so the, the, the genius thing that this Jacinta Arden chick has done, which she did the other day on the on the fucking news, was she talked about she's admitted that the fact that she'd smoked cannabis before, right? And yeah. she's also. Uh, and then they had the article that like New Zealand's don't really care because most of us have, right? But from that take. Yeah. Now she hasn't said on record whether she wants legalization or not. She says, I will yeah. they're going into an election and she said, I don't want to make it political. I want the I want the New Zealand people to vote about this, right? Which yeah. is genius because she's not alienating her the the other side of the fence that might have yeah. might have, you know, like kind of been like, Well, fuck that, you know, I don't I'm not you know, I'm. You yeah. know, I've got. I'm. Yeah. I don't believe in that freedom. You know what I mean? She's I don't, basically I think, saying, you guys are all adults who vote. You're she's smart, man. She's genius. She's yeah. fucking really smart. She's one of her colleagues is a full conservative, gnarly fucking. I wouldn't say redneck, but like fucking full right wing. And he like man. She manages her. So she's 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 a G. She's like, I I don't know if she's on the take or whatever the conspiracy. Blah blah blah. But you yeah. know, she's definitely good at what she does. <laughs> It's yeah, pretty I like interesting. Her. I yeah, I don't yeah. know if I yeah, I, I like her a lot more I, than than Scomo. When I say I like her, I mean you know that as much as for a I politician. Like politicians. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's like it's like it, I don't know if she's kind of like um, it's the same thing with Trudeau in Canada. Like obviously his father was was like Prime Minister of Canada as well, and he was like the JFK of Canada, and now he's yeah. this young, good-looking dude, and like there's a lot, there's so much like hearsay that he's like in with the Tarzan people, then he's against it. Like at all this invite, like it's, it's interesting how all that bullshit works, you know? So, but just that example of like how Dan Andrews threw the, the health minister under the bus the other day. Right. And no, how do the fuck, like, I don't recall. All right. Is the fucking sentiment. I posted a meme of a fucking, um, of him as Sergeant Schultz and, I know not like I know nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's pretty. Well, hilarious. he had a good go at the uh, national treasurer today at his press conference as well. I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to check that out. That's yeah. fucking interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so, look, I mean, look, he's got to be getting over sitting, getting up there every day. But it's a, it's a, it's a great move, you know, because if if you're one of the general masses and that's what you see, then he seems to be really accountable. He seems to really be concerned. He seems to, you know, if, if, if that was it. If that was your one tune in for the day and you just stayed on ABC all day or whatever, you, you know, that, that's, and that's, that's the scary thing of these times is that you don't actually know where the approval rating is. You look at America, I mean, who's going to win? Who knows? Um. Trump will win. Maybe. No, I reckon he'll win. There's like kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, hope I so because he's anti NWO. He's but like. Me- none of the media want him to win, right? So the media all have him pinned. I mean, even Fox have almost turned on him. Nah, they haven't turned on him. They're just. He's just. He's. He's. He's just. He's fucking master of this, dude. He just caught COVID. I don't know. There's like yeah. so many. Whether the Demo- they there's, there's conspiracy theories. The Democrats injected him with COVID. And then, like, there's the other one that he's making it up, which he, which would be a fucking sympathy vote. So, like, he's he's a fucking spinster, man. He's like he he's very much like um the Kardashian mother. She's gangster too. Like, he's very calculated. He's a troll, man. He's 
He's not stupid guy. He is, yeah. No, he's not. But he's a bit he's of he's a, fu- he's a fucking dickhead for sure. But like, he's good at what he does. You know, like that's why he's president. And I love yep. I love the zingers. He's like so many fucking. Fun. It's like yeah. it was like watching fucking. Obviously, I think I said it before. Two kids fight over the last pop tart, and it was fucking. Fun. Oh yeah, just just ridiculous. But you know, I mean, we're we're imagine being in an election year in in COVID. You know, at least we escaped that here. Would have made it a lot more gross politically. So tell me, um, so you, how do you, how like how do we make it illegal? Uh, how do we make how do we get it legalized? Basically, like how do we get recreational cannabis legalized here? How like under these well, look, under these fucking politicians right now? Like I said, Berejiklian, she ain't church swapping. Um, well, financial incentives might be the way out, man. And on the back of you know, this, I don't think this, it's big enough. I don't think it's. I think that it's a great. It's money. It's a lot of money, but it's not enough money to move the needle in that way. Like you've yeah. got to have, and people and aren't then, outraged enough here, you know, and they we don't. We don't have, like I said at the start, we don't have a really good national crusader for cannabis who's like articulate. Oh, you got um, educated. A- Andrew. Andrew wrote the fucking. Have you seen that medical? Um, symposium he wrote for the howard government in 1996 yeah have you seen that is it andrew kiavalis or is it andrew yeah 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 that's the closest person that i could think of that but he's not like a real he's not like a real rambunctious like outspoken guy he's just real mellow and he's pretty good dude you know he he also has to watch his public profile to a degree because he's you know he's he's been caught breaking the law a number of times yeah 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 so um yeah and and look when you're a i mean a, yeah I, I i don't think he's the guy right he's not the person he's not the aide to to coin, to, to steal no that, but he's but, the closest that i would know of that i i'm not saying that he is that dude i'm just yeah. saying that, that that like there's there's, you know, there's all the dudes from the hemp embassy and blah, you know, but there's, they have to be able yeah. to be walk into a, a room and, and, you know, just kind of, I don't know, you need a doctor or a lawyer or someone of like high notoriety yeah. in the public. Yeah, and, and AIDS, Pete AIDS Evans is kind of doing trade, some shit so. like that. That's another dude you should yeah. interview is Pete Evans. He's an interesting cat. Um, yeah. We're doing another collab with Maxim magazine for maybe for December issue or maybe for January. But we're going to do like yep. an interview feature on him and then some fucking. Um, but he's an interesting dude. He's been fucking vilified in the media and blah, blah, blah. And he's a bit out there. And I've met him a couple of times. He seems like a pretty cool dude. He's an interesting yep. cat. He interviewed JFK Jr., which I thought was pretty, pretty chill. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, sure. So he's definitely standing up for what he thinks, you know, which is interesting, yeah. you know. You know, so how do we, how do we get someone like that to, to, to get to stand up and do something like, you know, we yeah. talk about it, <coughs> and and that was what right. I was going to say. Sorry, I, that's what I got. I was going to say. I, I forgot. Was you're yeah. you're 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 the word on the street, right? So you're one of the only, probably one of the more connected in people in Australia with what you're hearing on the street because you're interacting <laughs> with customers pre all this bullshit. Yeah. You're you're yeah. talking to two people in an in an in a normal city center, not not in Nimbin, not in. You know, everyone's yeah. in fucking La La yeah. Land. You, you know. Yeah, and, and, you know, in the city shop, you know, the, the variety of clientele is, is huge. 
what kind of you know and so what what do you think of the word on the street is from obviously the people that are coming into the smoke shop want to legalize pot right <laughs> so yeah. it's not really like a full well, then, demographic you, you, of the whole of melbourne you'd be surprised who comes into the shop over, over the time i've been there man i've, I've met some interesting cats there um because you know if there's a cannabis symposium on or anything like that or whatever happening in the medical world here there's there's peeps from all over the world they'll inevitably come stick their head in and see what an aussie head shop looks like you know so we um we get a variety of people but yeah of course the general consensus is I, I don't see why it's not. I mean, at times, from a current affair stories and things like that, people have just thought that it was legal all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's the, the media stories can spark it in, in strange ways, but whatever the case may be, it, you, you're potentially going to ostracize yourself to a, a big portion of people. So I, I suspect that person is out there. Um, Maybe they're just like a bit younger at the moment. They're getting ready for their their chance in the spotlight. I don't know, but um, we we definitely need that kind of like central figure. And unfortunately, the Aussie cannabis community is isn't a community. There are a bunch of different groups, um, but they're they like it's the Aussie way, like tall poppy syndrome. You know, they're they're more than happy. To tear another group down and <laughs> in a public forum yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it you know it gets a little bit gross and i i certainly know a lot of people that have had instagram presences or social media presences that have just gotten over it and dropped out and dropped off um and and i mean you know that's where the aussie cannabis scene really happened is is via instagram you know um yeah, yeah, and, yeah, I guess so. Some a dude, a friend of a friend that I well, yeah, that that's it's, the it's dude that got he got this house kicked in on national television like, uh like a couple of weeks ago. He was selling very blatantly yeah. though, like online and blah yeah. blah blah, and they they cool. called it like a four month sting operation. Like, yeah. And, the, yeah. and this dangerous, um, what do they call it? Confectionery, dangerous confectionery, yeah. because it was like they, well, they he was selling weed brownies and shit like that's like some cookies. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's that gonna kill someone. He's gonna take it and he's gonna murder people. Yeah, exactly. All right, but you know, it's um, it's like shit like that. Those those, those scenes, like there's kind of two scenes in Australia too, and that's shops like mine, um, hydroponic stores, uh, medicinal cannabis stuff, obviously. Um, you know, there there is a legitimately. I mean, there's fucking stocks on the Australian Stock Exchange, you know. So there is a legitimate scene. And I, like in my role, kind of cross both because um, obviously the podcast caters to more of like the black market sort of world in, in terms of its guests and appeal. Um, but then I, I, I work in a shop and part of working in a, in a store like that is uh, it's not just meeting everybody in the public day-to-day that comes through the store, but it's talking to national suppliers, international suppliers, um, you know, because we, we dabble in, in hydroponic stuff. Um, so, you know, there are people in Australia who, who, who sell, you know, all the stuff that a head shop needs uh, for the most part and, and the kind of more 
the stuff that sets us apart from going down to the local tobacconist or the off your tree or whatever is the stuff that we source internationally and that we work really hard with international relationships um, to get them over here at good prices and things like that. So in, in doing that, you inevitably are talking to people who run the legitimate side of the Australian cannabis scene. And, you know, I have some pretty, I have some good friends that work at some of the major like hydroponic suppliers in the country um, of which, you know, there's kind of like three main players that's dome stealth garden and WHG. And, you know, those guys are having booming years. COVID has been good, you know? So like your take on that is that anyone who is growing cannabis in the country on any sort of scale pretty much think everybody's at least doubled down if not tripled you know and and the bigger guys and girls have have realized the potential for what's going on not in just in terms of consumption because consumption's up right like in victoria of course it's up because you're stuck at home what are you going to do you're going to smoke a whole heap of weed um i wonder how but, many people are getting done like have you heard much about that like people going through a checkpoint and getting you know getting fucked I've not, man, but I know a lot of growers who were really freaked out by, you know, extra powers granted to police and stuff like that at the start of this for, for just being able to walk into a house, um, you know, and, and worried that that COVID protection was going to be used in, in alternate ways. And I've not heard any real instances of that happening either in terms of, like, grow operations being shut down with no kind of, like, judiciary process um but there was certainly a concern for people that were that were growing here whether it was like um, you know in their backyard or on a large scale so so like um, you know so it's like that so like as i said the word on the street is that you're the word you're basically the word on the street is what i was saying um but you know it's one thing to have joe schmo from fucking fitzroy say yeah i, I think you should be allowed to do what you want at home right in his, yeah. in his whatever accent he has, but so, how do you get the politician to do that when some when you have because it, I think that it has to be I don't know if, if maybe they can federally legalize cannabis I'm sure they can um, I don't know what yeah, the state I mean, deal the, is one of one of the biggest hindrances federally is you know some stuff we signed with the UN and the World Health Organization back in the fucking sixties or seventies right and that's that's legislation that was actually drafted by Anslinger back in like the twenties and thirties, he started writing that shit. And Who's once Anslinger? he fell out of, he was like, he was the original cannabis czar that, that was in league with, you know, all the, the cotton people and paper mills to try to put hemp on its ass. You know, that whole reefer madness thing. That was all oh, his yeah, DuPont. campaign. Um, so, he he was the the drug czar in the US for oh, okay I know four or five did he work did he work for J Edgar Hoover yeah no not J no I don't think he he worked for the president like he he was an advisor right um, he would have been there when when Hoover was there because he lasted he went through like I wanted to say five presidencies right and when That's he pretty was interesting when he was finally kind of out of favor with with the federal government in America, he took on a role with the United Nations and, and started drafting 
cannabis legislation that the world is, for the most part, beholden to nowadays. We all signed it. We all agreed back then it was as bad as heroin and blah, 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 and, and trafficking of it internationally was ridiculous. So um, that's, that's always going to be a big hindrance at a federal level because America, Australia, Canada, um, they, are, they, they did actually sign this thing back then. So there, there has, you know, the Canadian government has obviously said, well, we revoke that. We based on whatever, whatever. And that's what New Zealand will have to do. And, and that's what we would have to do as well. But if the United Nations or the World Health Organization were able to like, look, hey, this legislation that you all signed 50 years ago, 60, but didn't New Zealand sign ago, it? Of course they did. Yeah. So, but th- so there must be a legal way to get out of it, right? If you vote for it. There must be, because there's precedence for it. Jamaica's done it. Uh, uh, Canada's done it. Um, so there, there's precedence, precedence to do it. But if the UN were just to ultimately say, hey, this is a piece of shit, no one needs to be bound by that, this that, anymore. That won't, that won't happen. That's not how that works, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but so, that, so that, this legal potential legal. So basically, what's going to happen is, if they the referendum is decided on yes, then they'll start yeah. the proceedings in the um, parliament to change the law yeah. on behalf yeah, so of the decision of the people. Yeah, and then the access for an actual uh, New Zealand resident wouldn't start until like mid to late twenty twenty one, possibly early twenty twenty two. It's so fucking amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, it is, man. We're it's fucked. Amazing. No, it's not going to happen here. Yeah. I don't believe it's going to happen. All the people I talk to, and I, yeah, don't, like I don't, the said, politicians don't give a fuck enough. It's not a, it's not a pressing issue. Do you know what I mean? No, it's not. It's we not. Sent, and when, when we did the twenty we, years before, yeah, yeah, I was like, fuck, like that, that. It was like a punch in the guts. But oh, that's what and, I think. I honestly, say, like, I can't say bullshit on that either because i think just, now for at least five years, realistically yeah well five years ago i started saying oh in five years maybe five ten years and it's five years later and i'm still saying five ten years so that's 15 years so yeah, yeah 20 is not and, and it's a sad state of affairs um we maybe live in, just, we live in a fucking autocratic society here and our prime minister yeah, has is, is got no nuts he can't even Look, rein in the fucking premiers Fucking, you may fucking see a, a put him on the bitch, dude. What's that? You may see a kind of cannabis exodus to New Zealand. Maybe I mean, it's, dude. I got a friend who DJ to a party of like thousands of people not long ago in New Zealand. It's it's from yeah, like Australians are let, let's try. Well, there's normal here. It's normal here. We don't have one case. Where I went to a nightclub yeah, yeah. last night. You can't dance, but like I went to. I went to fucking. That's crazy, that. I went to six bars last. No, not last. Night. Was it not? Was it last night? Yeah, it was last night. That's why I had such a fucking bad hangover this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, we went to yeah, fucking. Look- we went to one, two, three. I went to six bars last night, and it's all. It's, have- everyone's bumping. There's not yeah, one case here anymore. Mates. I have some good mates that work in security, like good security, right? Not not fucking responsible for outbreak security. Yeah, so like that's one thing that we didn't talk about was um was your jujitsu. So what can you give us a little bit of background about like kind of like how you got into that and like you know where did you actually grow up and well, how did you I, get I into cannabis? In, like how did you get into into actually what, smoking? Yeah, I mean, you know? I I grew up in Melbourne. I grew up in the suburbs of Melbourne. You know, out sort of like Cheltenham, Chelsea, Frankston, out around that way. Um, pretty 
middle class family, no middle upper class even. My, my dad does pretty well for himself. Um, and I, man, if you want to talk about the first time I smoked weed, I watched the Doors movie with uh, Jim, uh, with, of course, Jim Morrison was in it. Val Kilmer, when Val Kilmer plays Jim Morrison. Uh, when I was 14 years old and after watching that movie, I was dead set that I was going to smoke weed and drop acid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and within six months I'd accomplished both. Mm-hmm. So fuck video games and shit like that. Um, movies. Um, it, so, and look, I, I had such a good relationship with my parents when I first smoked weed, I ran home so excited to tell them that I'd done it. Uh, and, um, what, how'd they take that? Credit, to their credit, they were pretty fucking cool about it. Um, my mum was like, oh, well, if that's something you're going to do, we'd prefer you do it here where it's safe. Now, to a 14-year-old, in my mind, that was like, hell yeah, team. Well, I'll smoke weed at my house. So, you know, my house was a place where, you, you, you know, you could smoke bongs out in the back room. Um, and, and Did your parents act did. like they weren't and they didn't know, they weren't aware of it? Or did they, yeah, like, they, did they interact did. They with your friends? They turned a blind eye to it. Did they, they interact? Did. They turned a blind yeah. eye to it. And then my parents got divorced. So, I mean, there was, now as I think as an adult, there was more pressing shit on both of their minds at the time. Um, and and I wasn't like, I, I was always a good kid, man. I was always a good student. Um, you know, I always interacted well. And, and martial arts is definitely a part of that. I was a, a lifelong martial arts. I started karate when I was like, six or seven years old um and and for sure that's that's helped form me being a good kid so i don't think my parents were ever that worried i was going to get in a lot of trouble Mm. they always knew i had a good head on my shoulders and then you know that man i just i loved weed from day one like yeah me too i love i love being stoned it's my favorite thing in the world (laughs) and i have all my best stories and all the people that i know all over the world and like trying to yeah, find weed, weed, selling weed, or yep. or smoking weed. I've like one of the three. Yep. Like I've met all my best yep. and gone on these crazy journeys and like just because I'm I'm so I need it so bad. You know I've smoked so much pot that like yeah. not so much at the moment, but when I was skiing a lot, I was we were fucking we used to smoke so much. It's ridiculous. Fiends. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, like, I was a fiend as a kid, man. Oh, I and, love it. You know, so I, much I fun. A- Canada was the best. I moved I to Canada when I was brother, 15. So. That's when I started smoking pot. Was when yeah. I was, I had, I tried it in Australia. I tried it maybe once or twice, and then I went to fucking, I went to this like summer camp when I was like 15, and I was with this dude named Stephen Thomas, who's actually was ended up becoming a pretty famous pro skier, and now he's a, a professional rock climber, I think. Um, yeah, right. interesting dude, and he had these little ratty dreadlocks, and we um we went to this this hotel and we smoked like probably about. Mate, just under uh, probably three or four grams, maybe like an eighth through through this apple bong, and then my friend yep. with his little dreadlocks ate the apple, and Ugh. that was like the beginning of like the funny like times that I had <laughs> smoking pot. He was so fucked up after he ate that apple. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I grew up with like you know your, your typical kind of Aussie uh, suburban sort of dudes around me, you know, and. They, they smoked a bit of weed, but they were more about getting hella drunk at the park on the weekends whilst I was over in the corner smoking my bongs. And, and eventually, you know, I, I, found, I found reggae music, man, through, you know, my, I went sailing in the Caribbean when I was like 17. 
Um, That's pretty rad. Where'd you go, Barbados? Yeah. And fucking. Uh, there, it was a it was a yachting week in Antigua. Um, so my old man's pretty good yachty. Sick. Where where did, where did you grow of, up? Where'd you grow up doing that? In the in the in the in the um, yeah. What's it called? What's the bay there called? In the bay, for the most yeah. part, yeah. Yeah. Morning. Port Phillip Bay. Port yeah. Phillip Bay. Um, but like Dad does, Dad does Sydney to Hobart or Melbourne to Hobart. I mean, not anymore. He's too old to work the four deck. But for you know, into his well into his late fifties, he was still doing Melbourne to Hobart, which is a pretty notorious uh, yachting race. Um, and so anyway, him and some mates, they, they chartered a boat um, for this race week in the Caribbean. We picked the boat up in St. Martin and we, we sailed through a couple of Caribbean islands and eventually got to Antigua. And I think like within 10 minutes of getting ashore, I'd met a big, you know, raster man. So going, going uh, you know, further into this shit, so what do you think – we can do to try and get pot legalized because everybody talks, you know, we kind of talk around it, right? And we say Look, five to 10 years or 20 years, right? Like I said, right? But how do we yeah. change that? Like, there's a way to well, change look, I that, think right? things like things like HHI were really good. You know, those, those hemp expos, they were good. Unfortunately, COVID put the kibosh on that shit. But they were great in the sense that they got out into the larger public you saw a massive cross-section of the public at those events from nanas to groms. Um, and it, it, that's, look, I've always said like things like my podcast, things like your podcast, things like the friendly buds, heavy days, you know, um, keeping the conversation going is good, but it also comes as a cop out at some point too. Um, cop out. So, totally a cop out. We need to change it. It's an outrage. It's like, it's like the fucking Dan, Dan Andrews shit. People should be fucking mass protesting. There should be thousands, but we're not. We're fucking. We're just such sheep in Australia. It's well, like, oh yes, Mister Government, is- do we will accept your <laughs> bidding? Do like you know what I mean? Like really? It's like fuck off. Look, we're not children. If all twenty million of us fuck. or whatever it is lived in one state, it'd be a different story, right? You'd have you'd have every cannabis user localized because you know you look at places where cannabis movements have really gone through, they have big localized cannabis grassroots communities. And yeah, who's, who's, the, who's the Kiwi guy that's the country. politician? The Mount, the Maori guy? Uh, with the d- Nando, dreadlocks? Yeah, Nando. Nando that, that, guy's yeah. Sick, that guy's sick, dude. He's, he's awesome, interesting. His yeah. exiting speech from Parliament, oh, I watch that at least once a year, man. It's just, uh, it's so inspiring. So he quit. Inspiring. He quit politics, did he? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's his ex. It's an, an exiting speech. The the Rastafarian homie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's like the he's yeah. like the leader of this weed, this weed bill apparently. Um. Or one oh well, yeah. Maybe 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 he didn't leave. Maybe it's a different clip. I'll send I'll send it to you. But man, yeah. That maybe it's just him addressing Parliament. This clip I play. But um. What yeah, an interesting man. cat. We should try and interview him. Maybe yeah, if well, I, I get him, I could get you a link to him, man, because. You know, being involved. You should in interview him together. Seven. It'd be really interesting that I've um I've spent a lot of time in New Zealand and like you meet some interesting people. I've I partied a bunch of times with fucking um Salmonilla Dub and um uh back in the day Tiki. King Capisi. He was this rapper. Yeah. I, I met him when fucking that was really interesting. I know Tiki Tane from back in the day. Yeah, yeah, interesting. That fucking there's good music. I'll tell you something hilarious about him, but 
only on off camera. Okay, I'm down with that. That's hilarious. Um, so you know, but what what can we seriously? What can we do, bro? Because it's like we all talk uh, about this. We, we if we don't do it right, and I've had this fucking I I, I had a, like a, not an argument. We I got like, we got boisterous with um. I interviewed the, my friend, the dudes from the the Dope Expo, Jake from Glass Profits, and yeah. the other um yeah. Hamish. Uh, he's like runs a consulting agency. Nice guy. Yeah, like cool Delta dude. Tetra. Delta Tetra. Delta that's Tetra. Exactly. But I was yeah. like, I was like, yeah. it was like, you guys got it. Like, you, you're doing this, and that's great. They're doing an expo. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I like the name, the stigma that goes with it. But then at the same time, you know, there's Sexpo. There's fucking. We should have a right to have some fun with it. You know what I mean? As well as totally. making yeah, it yeah. Um, yeah. The, about hemp and industry and shit because they do that for alcohol. You have beer. For, you have Oktoberfest. You have. Totally. You know what I mean? Like so. Fuck them, but we need to. What can we do, bro? Because, like, seriously, like, I have these fucking conversations all the time, and no one's got an answer. And it's like, we need to fucking, and maybe you and I need to do it. Because, fuck, like, if we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's that young, what's that? Is it Tom? What that dude that gets a lot? He's around, I don't know. Tom, Tom Forrest. Yeah, he seems like a cool dude. I don't know him very well. So, but the the cannabis scene's hell clicky, eh? So, well, Tom's Tom's hella involved in in like logistics and distribution for for one of the main three kind of hydroponics companies. He works for Stealth Garden, uh, who, who based in South Australia. But um, you know, if you're a hydro store, you're buying shit from them. Um, so, you know, it's kind of what I was talking about before. You know, like it would make sense for him to be the guy. But he, you know, he's also got um, to worry about his professional side of things too. No, uh, no totally. So, but he's not not saying that he's the guy. But he's just he's he's got you know he's got. I'm not saying that he is the poster child. But he, I see him in the media too. Like we're in the media all the time doing stupid yeah. stunts and stupid shit yes, like I mean, that. But he, I see him like kind of speaking. He's actually getting up on stage and talking about yeah, you know, like he's he becoming does. a thought yeah, leader, which is really important. And people need. Yeah. to to stand up and, and make their voices heard and actually like give a fuck. And like, I think most people just yeah. like the, I, I, again, I, I shouldn't judge cause I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to judge cause it's not, it's stupid to judge, but that we need to do yeah. more. We need to figure out a way to, yeah. to make the poly give a fuck and change it. And there should be outrage over this, man. That's what really disappoints me I mean, about look- Australia. No one is outraged by anything. Yeah. They'll post, but it, it's five minutes later. Like, Fucking France, yeah. they fucking riot, and they the the, the government yeah. difference between America and France. In America, the people are scared of the government. In France, the yeah. government's scared of the fucking people. Yeah, and they, yeah. I don't know if you remember yeah. the Paris riots, and and I'm not saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I I think it's a good thing because we we need to hold these motherfuckers accountable for their actions because at the moment they're not being held yeah, but- accountable. You can talk, you can take that real deep, man, and talk about like. This this kind of psyche of um, of, of cultures, right, in mm. geographic zones. You know, France as a country, they've they've overthrown their government. They've had political revolutions. They've they've done it but before, don't you right? Think we need so, that, so that too. That shit lives in the psyche. Totally. We're a bunch of fucking criminals, bro. Totally, so I know that, but we still told. need. But we, yeah, mate, yeah. I don't know if I believe in that's that, like that I mean, history I, of like genetic a, memory, but maybe it's, it's plausible. It's like a, Certain reduction social in a way, conditioning, right? but yeah, social conditioning and shit like that. It's interesting though. I, I'm 
I just think the people yeah, look, here just don't I'm give a fuck I'm not saying I buy into it, but to an extent, to an extent, it could explain some things, right? Like that's that's the beginnings of Australia as a Western country, you know. But the with people colonization, but get like it was elders. a prison camp. It was a prison camp. It's an interesting place living here. It's so fucking ostracized from the rest of the fucking world. And imagine living in Perth. Yeah. That'd be even fucking like I have friends that have moved back to Perth and they moved to Sydney like Me to get too. away from Perth. And um, Perth's cool. It's all right. It's fucking going to Mars, man. I'm not. I'd go visit, but Better I could never Melbourne live there. Moment, man. Totally, Better but you Melbourne. guys will be. It's by in six months. You'll be fine. But still, what a <laughs> what a fucking wasted year. One of my homies went to jail this year for fucking selling copious amounts of drugs. And he's, oh, shit. he's actually a drugs, he's a drugs and alcohol <laughs> counselor. He's shout out to my homeboy. Yeah, of course he is. His name. But he's a, he's a sick cunt. Like he's my fucking G, dude. I love that guy. Um, I haven't been able to visit him because of all this COVID bullshit. But I'm um, like, when he finally gets out, I'm be like, dude, you didn't miss out on much. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? No, nah, he's gonna get locked up for a year. No, he's getting paid. He's getting fucking. He's doing his degree. He's finishing his doctorate in fucking. In yep. in, he gets good stories. <laughs> drugs, and he's and yep. he's fucking. He's oh, dude, the irony of sometimes is. But so yeah, so I, I I'm, like we talk about it, but this is something that we should we should discuss on an ongoing um way. Is that you know how do we how do we get them to care? Because if well, we need we a don't good do something. Movement. That's all we need. Like, you know, there there've been attempts at it in the past in different states. And it but but the stigma of it just being a bunch of bongheads inevitably kicks in. And you know, sometimes the members don't do the parties any favor either, you know. And but you yeah, can't that's really what I said. Exclude. that's why I said that you have to have if you're gonna have a poster child, in my opinion, I've had this I've talked about this on other podcasts. Um, that I, they've done with me or whatever, fuck, I don't know, um, is you have to, you need a lawyer or a doctor. And it was interesting because my yeah, little brother's in his third year of law, right? And yeah. he um, was talking Let's about this a couple of years ago and he's talking about like the people, you know, for the Mardi Gras and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it's, you know, her, her, Max looks like Gandalf and he's, he's, Max is a G, dude. He's my homie. I love that guy. But like the normal person is going to see him and be like, "That dude's, that dude's cooked," you know. And they're not in a bad like this well, in a bad thing, way. Man. Do you understand what I mean? You need that lawyer. Yeah, yeah. you really got to go and and look at that chat. I, it's the last thing on my Instagram. I'm pretty sure, man. Abe Gray, right? Yeah, he looks like Gandalf too, homie. His beard is here. He's like he's got that mustache over. I know. I've got a <laughs> mo too. I know when he eats food, that mo's in his mouth. And it's just too big that he couldn't manage that shit, you know. Um, but he is—he's a, a biologist. Like he's—he's he's incredibly intelligent. His partner's a doctor as well. Like the dude is an academic, and and that's why, you know, he's that—he's that guy. You know, you don't necessarily have to have the clean-cut look. Yeah, but you need you, the credentials. You have you the, the credentials smarts behind you. Yeah, the smarts, yeah. but a lot of people are smart, but you got to have credentials for people no, to take well, it seriously. Credentials is a better word. Credentials is yeah. a much better word. You know, yeah, but but to people, actually be able to back They want to be able to have a right, doctor to talk about fact because then, then they argue you can't talk about science unless you're a scientist, yada, yada, bullshit, bullshit. Whatever it is, they're going to yeah. try to form some kind of like yeah, I mean, hole in your is, argument. I mean, and he's like on the kind of forefront. He's talking about creating so THC and culture vats and shit like that. Hold on, I want to see who this dude is. What's his name? Abe. Abe Gray. 
interesting. And you see him. You see a picture. Yeah, yeah. see. Abe Gray. Yeah. Can you see what and I'm looking he's, at? He's the dude. Can you see? No, what I'm I can't. Looking? But oh, okay. I can. Uh, I can imagine. He's he's quite young though, isn't he? Uh, he'd be in like he'd be around our. How old are you, Will? Thirty-three. Yeah, I mean, he'd be around. He'd be around late thirties, I reckon. Maybe even early forties. And he's got a couple of little ones. He doesn't look old at all. Like I was thinking, like old. That's dope. Dunedin's Cannabis Museum left. Have you ever seen the movie Scarfies about the fucking the the New Zealand comedy about the Scarfies in Dunedin and they they nah. rent this house and they fucking they find that it's a grow up there and then the guy comes back to his grow and they lock him down in downstairs because they think he's gonna they're gonna kill get killed. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't seen it. So he's not a, he's not but, Kiwi, yeah, is I mean, he? No, he like. Canadian or somewhere in the States, maybe from Boston or somewhere like that. Interesting. Uh, forget from memory. Fuck, that's yeah. interesting. But he, like I said before, he's lived, he's lived in New Zealand for like 20 plus years, you know. So, I mean, he's a citizen and all that jam and, and you know, just uh, yeah, well-spoken, well-educated too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got that, he's got that, so, um, he's got, but also... But He's also not, I mean, a, he's American, a, right? So they're going to take him more seriously because it's just a, like the psyche of, of like, because we're so ostracized, man. It's yeah, like, there's, there's a lot of examples that I could say that aren't politically correct. Yeah, no. In, it, in social no, stigma no, and assumption and shit like that. It's a sad, it's a sad thing. But yeah, you possibly you're right. You know, I mean, he's a bit of a perfect storm in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, he looks he like a, a G, dude. He's a university activist. He got arrested on campus a bunch of times. He started a, a 420 smoke session on campus and, you know, so, he, so he wasn't you, afraid to fucking. Have you, have you interviewed him? Have you? Yeah, we had a we had a chat on Instagram, a live chat, and we kind of talked about the upcoming referendum, the current uh, medical okay, cool. legislation, that and that. Yeah, it's it's only an hour. It's not even an hour, man. It's on my Instagram, and I'm going to put it out as a podcast uh, next week. Have you um? Do you, have you been putting out out on like Apple and Spotify and all that shit? Yeah, I mean, I do it all through um, Anchor. I do it through SoundCloud, which I should SoundCloud is where I, I do it all, and it sends it out to everything pretty much. And yeah. then over the over the time, you know, anything I haven't found it on, I figured out how to log it on. So I'm on Spotify, Apple, all that shit. Um, but I've I've been slack, man, and in, in the uh, getting ready for this view because I didn't want to get on and promote a podcast that's like non-existent. Um, I've got two episodes in the chambers ready to fire off. So, uh, and I had a kind of realization in editing one of those that there was like a bit of an emotional barrier. So one of my past guests, um, he came back and talked about being rated. Now this dude, I don't know if you ever, do you ever follow Dill Dabbins on Instagram? No. Dildo Dabbins. No, I don't follow that many cannabis people. Well, I do. I follow more action Victoria. sports and like surfing and fucking. I just watch clips like that. I don't really watch like yeah the the stoner yeah. shit much. A little bit, but not really. Yeah, you're probably following the right ones, I dare say. But this this dude, um, you know, he just like you were inundated with like fat fucking weed plants outdoor indoor multiple indoor setups like and he just didn't give a fuck his face was there he was smoking huge bongs he had fucking thousand dollar bongs you know and just like and fucking 
eating mushrooms, tripping balls. Like it, the dude was a wild shot. And he, he was a good kid. Um, and he came and did a podcast uh, and just talked about, you know, fucking growing weed and shit. And then he got done. He, he got busted. And, and he came back, he did another podcast, and he, he was super candid about the whole thing, from, like, cops knocking his door down to going to court to, you know, where's changing guy, his life. Where's this bit. guy from? Uh, like, out in Ballarat okay. area. And, um, and then, I don't know, maybe three or four months later, I get a phone call at, like, four o'clock in the morning from his girlfriend. Um, and uh, he's just killed himself. He's just driven his car into a pole out the front of her house. That's fucking gnarly. Um, That's so. Imagine how gnarly. many people have committed suicide. I know someone that I heard a story. I heard a gnarly story from a friend of well, this mine. Was, this did- was before COVID. This <clears throat> was before yeah, COVID. yeah, but I'm not talking about COVID. I, I was talk- talking to a builder mate yeah. of my dad's. We built a deck on the side of my um, parents' restaurant, um, and uh, he was telling me that he was with one of his mates, right? And they're, um, I don't know if they were, I think they might have been at one of his friend's houses or something. And he's like, I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to hang a piss. And then he fucking hung himself. My cousin, my second cousin, he hung himself and then hung himself from the roof of his dad's factory. And it's so gnarly because his dad's like the nicest guy you could ever meet. Like bought his kids' houses, works. Just so gnarly. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it's selfish, but I don't, I've never been in that. Yeah, I do too, man. I, I get really angry at it. But at the same time, you know, like, you kind of put yourself in the person's shoes. I've never I, been that I depressed. I had a great friend. Like, the, the most uh, – yeah, I've never been that depressed either, but I, I've been depressed and I, could only, I could, can try and imagine, like, the state you get into where that becomes your option. Like, I just go to the um, but, uh, <laughs> Like, <laughs> seriously, that's what I do when I'm depressed. <laughs> get yeah, stoned, right. have a few beers, and go to the brothel and get a route without any kind of emotional attachment. And then normally that's I feel is. a lot better. Well, whatever. That's why yeah. it's legal here. You're allowed to do that. And so if totally. I can go yeah. get a route and pay to get have sex with a hot chick or any woman, um, why can't I go and buy a fucking joint and smoke it? Yeah, well, know? I have no doubt that being busted for cannabis and all of that eventually led up to, to, to Dylan killing himself, you know? So um, it, it's, you know, there's, there's untold stories of how the impacts of like unfair laws impact, you know, I mean, that's a small country town. The, 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 the funeral, there, there was a, maybe nearly six, 700 people there or something like that. There was a lot of people and, you know, it was obviously um, impacted. He was young. Um, and that shit just carries on. I mean, his poor uh, girlfriend, she'll never fucking get over that. His parents, his parents were an absolute wreck, of course. Um, you know, so, but getting back to what I was saying, you know, I realized as I kind of did the introduction to that episode that there had been a bit of a, like, a block in probably just not wanting to face that totally. But I got it out, I got it done. And then I, and, and then I got that one with Abe Gray as well. Uh, cool. And then this week, I'm having a chat with this fucking dope ass glass artist from the states. He makes these fucking tubes should, like that. Are you should do one with my um. You should do one with Shay, my friend that the from the medical thing, and then my I'd other friend to. potentially with my um with my uh <clears throat> my business partner who I used to ski with. He was like one of the best skiers in the world for his age back in the day before he got hurt. Um, 
And uh, he's that's the guy that I co-own the weed dispensary with, in, um, which is at the entrance yep. to uh, Yosemite. So we're actually in the process. I'll yeah. send you. I'll send you our um, our packaging for our new cannabis company that we're launching. It's going to be called Tioga, and uh, yeah, the, the, the artwork is cool. really dope. Um, it's like in in the yeah. You'll, I'll check it. I'll send it to you. It's pretty interesting. Um, so I, I just I'm, yeah, cool. I'm just curious about how we can change it though. Like I've I haven't I've been pondering this for a long time, and I don't I haven't come to a, a like conclusion of how yeah, to I, do it. You know, how to approach it? Me either, man. But it's there's there's a number of factors that kind of hinder it, right? And and part of it is a really well unified community. And unfortunately, the, like the 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 black market element to the community hinders it because you know guys who have you know who are one of the plugs online, you know, sending out packs or whatever. Um, you know, people know who they are, so you can't stand up too tall if you're one of those dudes because there's always somebody who can lag you in and dob you in. And unfortunately, it's an inherent part of Australian culture that that shit inevitably happens. Yeah, so it goes deeper than just like, room. yeah, exactly. So it's um, it, it goes deeper than just like creating cannabis reform. Um, it, it's like a cultural reform. Totally, but there was cultural reform that happened in New Zealand too. You know, like the Mongrel Mob and you know, a lot of the white power gangs and like all that were growing and selling. Have you ever, do you know what a tinny house is? A tinny house is like what you'd get like back in the day for like in like cities in, you know, in Christchurch or in fucking Auckland and you'd go knock on some ghetto house and you'd pay like 20 bucks and then they give yeah. you this little bit of foil with like a tiny, like a stick in it, right? And it's just like the most dog shit, horrible yeah. fucking pot you've ever fucking, you've ever seen. I've been on so many fucking missions yeah. to find weed in that fucking in that place because in New Zealand when it when it snows right yeah well those you can't fucking there's nothing else to do but smoke pot and go do stuff yeah yeah well those those guys are gonna have to step up their game if they want to stay relevant there'll always be a black market in a legal scene of course there will but how do, how right? but obviously New Zealand had a, a system like a a, a a bunch of bullshit like we have here right but someone there was someone in in the society that was like Maori and had that cultural, he's got dreadlocks, he's kind of become a cultural icon of that alternative, you know, movement that that a lot of New Zealanders probably agree with because a lot of them, most of them smoke pot when they were kids, you know, people that are our parents' age, right? Yeah. They, like, how old are you? Like 35 or something like that, 36? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, our parents, like, they're, you know, they, my, all my parents, yeah. all my parents' friends smoke yeah. pot. They're fucking... I have a lot of my, you know, a lot of people yeah. grew up with people that were growing copious amounts of cannabis. But my dad's not really a smoker, but my mum smokes occasionally, and you know she loves fucking eating cookies and going to a concert or something like that. And she's in her early sixties; she loves yeah. it. Yeah. Um. And yeah. so, like, it's yeah. but like I, I'm, I'm just, and this is something that I guess we got to take home with us to think about. But if you have the brain spark, we we need to do something, and we need to form some kind of fucking council or some kind of like political party that's not just like the hemp party like it's a great idea it's like the sex party like you're not going to vote for them because you ask yeah. them about foreign policy or the the price of tea in china yeah exactly. you know, obviously that's an extreme that's not really yeah. a relevant example but you understand what i mean yeah yeah, um, yeah. they can't answer it they totally. don't have a divorce portfolio you know and that's inevitably been the problem with all those federal or state groups that have come up the vote hemp the more weed the more 
whatever it is, right? They've, they've never had uh, anything else in their platform. Although the sex party evolved into the reason party and, uh, and Victor, uh, Fiona Patton, you know, as far as politicians go, she's, she's pretty fucking rad, man. She came on the podcast once actually. So, um, so she's the, is she, um, is she a Greens MP or is she indie she's independent. independent? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Um, so she, at I least once a year, she on it gets is. up in state parliament. And who's who's sorry? I wonder what Zali. You know, Zali Stegel's a. Um, she was a Olympic uh, medalist for slalom for skiing, and she's now the representative of where I live in Sydney on the Northern Beaches yeah, as right. an independent. Yeah. And she kicked out Tony Abbott. Yeah. Right. Wow. Well, I New South Wales. There's some interesting shit happening over there. I haven't totally followed it, but the Aussie Buds podcast, they put some uh, some stuff up the other day, a, a clip um, of one of the politicians over there giving a good spiel for rec cannabis. Yeah, but it won't happen. Like, the spiel is not going to change it. But it's good that they're talking about it. The, the project talks about it. You know, like we've got on yeah. the news, we've done all sorts. Of, and medical is now legal, so... <laughs> CBD, even though it's 30 mils in a bottle, over-the-counter CBD is going to be great for the cannabis movement in general, right? There's going to be a lot of money um, made too. It's great. It's good for yeah, the world. Yep, the problem sure. I see, though, yep. is that um, is that people people are going to expect this miracle thing, right, because they don't understand the difference between 100 milligrams and 1,000 milligrams and, and 30 milligrams because they have no point of reference, Sorry. right? Okay? Yeah. So, so the full person, yeah, versus, exactly, yeah, yeah, which is dissolute, isolate, all that bullshit, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So they're gonna, ha- then they're not gonna get the full effects of it. So it's not gonna be as beneficial to them as it could be. Do you know what I mean? You're kind of hindering the progression of yeah. what the whole point yeah. of legalization of the, in the is in the first place for this substance. Do you know? What I mean? Does that make sense to you? Like it's yeah. kind of like counterproductive. It's like totally. shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. It- it potentially is, man. But look for for some mild things, and yeah. you know, look, I, I, it's a good, it's a good thing. It's, it can't be a bad thing. No, it's not. A, it's uh, a step in in a direction. It's a step in a yeah. direction. Do you know what I mean? Nothing. But it's changed. an Australian step too. It's the way we take them, man. And they're going to be lots and lots of little baby steps. Uh, and yeah, you might be right. It might be fucking twenty I, years. I don't think it'll ever. No be one takes take, a I don't one. think it'll ever be legalized. I think it might be decriminalized. Maybe federally, maybe like New yeah. Z- like like Canberra. I do not think that the Australian government, with their nanny state bullshit, with the pharmaceutical like movement and blah blah blah. I'm I hope I'm proven wrong, but I don't think yeah. that they would allow for recreational trade of a narcotic in their view that the black market can make money off. That's a moral thing. Two, it's going to corrupt the youth in the right wing. Maybe, I, but I, I think that it, I think the only, I think the plot, the, the reality would be decriminalization. Decriminalization, I think, other, is what will happen. The other big problem here, yeah, is how harsh our smoking, our smoking legislation, and yeah. you know, ideologies are. You know, like a doctor's never going to recommend smoking cannabis. They'll recommend vaping it at most, but. But the legislation. No, they, they don't. They don't recommend for... the vaping. They recommend the the um the space bags. That's what they recommend, apparently. 
the volcano. The, yeah, the volcano. Yeah, that's right. They fuck you yeah, up. So and, and that's the mighty. That's funny because the fucking the volcano gets you the worst. That's what gets what's me personally. I've never been as fucked up as I've had. But like the first time I had volcanoes, like from I, I went to this place in Grass Valley and fucking just north of Reno, and my friend gave me oh. I'd never had them before, and I I couldn't. I didn't talk for like three fucking hours, and and I talk a lot. You know what I mean? Like obviously we were having conversation, like so. It, I, that's interesting that it's that it, that's what they recommend, yeah. you know. But um, but so but, so but tell the us, reason they recommend yeah. that is, and and I actually did a chat with uh, with one of the cannabis doctors from Cannabis Access Clinics, and there, there's yeah. a list of actual TGA approved vaporizing devices, right? Of okay. which volcano is one of them, right? Okay. And um, the reason doctors are they'll, they'll never prescribe smoking because smoking's bad for you, right? They're, they're never going to say it's not bad for you because they're way too invested in telling in ha- having told a generation of Australians that it's bad for you. Um, and in vaping, you have a much uh, more uh, you have a, a much more accurate way of prescribing a dose. So if you, if you have a tested flower, which all the flower that you get in the medical scene here is, and it's tested at 28% THC, you, you there's maths that lets you know how to dose 5 milligrams, 20 milligrams, 100 milligrams via your vape and be fairly accurate. Whereas combusting, there are so many more uh, variables in play, you know, how hot's the flame, how, blah, 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 blah. How much falls through? How much doesn't burn? So, All that then, sort of stuff. And then the other problem is that I see is like if they decriminalize it, right? You can't really control the standard of the weed, and that's the problem. That's the biggest problem in Australia is all the fucking shit PGR and all the fucking Viet Cong shit that's grown in mass. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. Av- what the, I, I got, I got off, I got off someone out where near where Alec lives, out fucking west west, right? Like west west. And I live on the northern beaches and he lives out west. So so it's like a big it's like fucking fifty, sixty kilometers, right? Anyways, we got we got off one dude and then I went back to the northern beaches and I got off another dude and it was like the only shit that was around at the time because you know, everyone goes dry. And it was the yeah. same pot. And then someone I know else in Bondi had had the same. And it's horrible. Yeah. It's jack shit fucking they haven't fucking Flush the system probably they've pr- put it in a fucking industrial fucking dryer to yeah, dry it out it's horrible it's terrible man but i can tell you again like from from friends that work you know supplying all the hydroponics stores in the country right um that that the trend even amongst like the the, the vietnamese syndicates and stuff like that they yeah. are looking for alternatives to pgr because the, particularly like in Victoria, they can't sell their weed here, bro. There's too much. There's too many really talented um, backyard growers, gorilla growers across Victoria, to the point where they supply a fair chunk of the market, right? With yeah. really good quality cannabis. Like lot, back uh, in the day, it all far, came from in Sydney. It all it would all come from South Oz. And the, yep. what happened was that this, the, the original shortage was when they um, when they got Chappelle, they were doing a, uh, the feds were doing a big sting on the baggage handlers, and yep. they, that's how they used to do it. Like similar in like you know in um, 
in uh, blow how they like the, they'd get the stewardesses to do it. So they just put yep. a they'd put it in a in a bag and then they put a tag around it. Then the guy in Sydney would pull it off. And I know I knew I a friend of mine who's like kind of like an older brother to me. He used to he used to sell a lot of, and 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 that's where that supply chain came from. And then yeah, right. then a, another friend of mine that my friend that actually went to jail. His his the neighbor from his dad got raided and it was the biggest raid in. South Australian history, <laughs> and that was like a really Damn. big and a bit. And now with COVID, because you can't go across the state lines, um, it's it's become a like an even bigger problem. So a lot of that, dog, yep. a lot of a lot of it's fucking dog shit in New South Wales. Yeah. I don't know. I do know a lot. I know a lot more better growers that come from Victoria, because yeah, you know, than I do that from well. Yeah, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, well, because you've got Nimbin and stuff, but that's not really Sydney. You know what I mean? Sydney's where I would judge. It's what not. Look, man. Is. I mean, yeah. Look, you can you you can find and look. I I haven't spent heaps of time in Sydney as an adult. Um, you can find weed in Melbourne that is as good as anything you'll find on the planet, pretty much. Like as a standard, you know, like without getting ridiculous. Um. Most of the most of the weed I smoke here is as good as the weed I would get in California. Yeah, my friend just sent me a care back package from Canberra. Yeah, but that, yeah, totally. But you're in the know, dude. You most people don't have access to that. They do, and then they people but, are, people are paying so much money for fucking weed that comes from overseas, and the like. It's, oh, that shit's insane, bro. And ha- look, I'll I'll give you the lowdown. A lot of that shit doesn't come from overseas. Or, or not from where they say it comes from overseas. Now, some of it's malicious on the end on on the the end here, in that yeah. they're they're marketing stuff that is either Australian grown as uh, as far. And in fact, that trend has changed because now dudes and fucking balls to the walls and props to them. Now dudes have their own fucking mylar bags in Australia, bro. With this, you know, like a little kangaroo on the bottom. It's all printed, professional, cool design, and they just write whatever their current strain is on the front you know i used to get um, i used to get off this dude from nimbin that this dude this this redneck mate of my, my of mine uh introduced me to and uh he he used to sell little chocolate bars right and they were like about that big yeah about three or four yeah. centimeters and he had he'd make them and then he had a, like a little fucking um kind of like a uh you know a sh- he'd make shapes out of them right he'd have a mold right then he'd and then he'd yeah. come out, and then he'd put his um, a stamp on them, and then he'd wrap them, and then he'd have like knockoffs of like all the Cadbury chocolate bars. There was Violet Stumble, yeah. and there was Cherry Rip, yeah. and and then yeah. he had this little like paper. This is like 10, 15 years ago, and he had the little fucking um, yeah. little label like that's like paper, like that he just printed and put around it. Fucking cool, man! It's engine. It's in entrepreneurialism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's how it should be. But I don't. I really don't think is, they're going to allow it here. Decriminalization, very plausible. Maybe five, five to ten years. Full legalization, not in our yep. lifetime, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I live in hope, bro. I'm, I'm not prepared to say that because I no, live no, that's in hope, fine. That's just but... my opinion. So I'm. You're obviously no, right. but but I like. I'm not really like jumping down your throat, going, "No, nah, no fucking way!" It's yeah, yeah, because you know that I'm right. Am I? You know, like, and I don't um, want to say that because I wish that it. I wish that it was. I we really. I've yes. spent. We've spent fucking 
so many thousands of dollars doing stunts and like fucking being out at fucking four o'clock in the morning putting up a hunt, like fucking weed plants all through a city and just like it's fun don't get me wrong but it's a lot of fucking yeah. work and it's a lot of money of we, no one ever paid we paid to do that you know we spent yeah, thousands right. of dollars and um and, and it's fun because we, we like the notoriety and all that bullshit um it, yeah you know and so and it's a thing to do but like um does it fucking that's change the, anything though does it change it, that's it the makes problem you know talk, like uh but talk doesn't change uh, shit you know what i mean like that's the, the problem i have yeah we need the legit side to help out the wreck side right like it would be great if one of those major distributors could sponsor a stunt like yours but they just can't they can't bring that heat on them they can't bring that attention well, hhi you know? did it hhi gave us 10 uh, gave us a pretty good budget to um to activate that, and that's, that, that Michelle's a G man. I love that chick. She's awesome. She is man. She's yep, really lovely. She's awesome, the whole family's super nice. Yeah, <laughs> her daughter's real really shame. Rad. Yeah, it's a real shame that one Melbourne didn't pop off for them. Um, and there, there are a couple but of that first that year it rained and rained and rained. Yeah, it like, that's gnarly. what it was. That's that first year just unfortunately couldn't 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 make it happen, and. But I, I, I've been to Sydney, man. Sydney's fucking amazing out, out there. Yeah, yeah, at Rose Hill Racecourse. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. That's where I first met you, yeah. I think. Was it? Maybe. I don't know. No, I think um, we met at Melbourne. Yeah, because you were with Trog. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, in the, that first Melbourne one. Yeah, me and Trevor at the same booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I helped you get a couple of... Um, of uh, you did, did. The live, yeah, the live. Um, I yeah. can't remember who you interviewed that I hooked up, but I remember talking. that was actually our first thing because you Wasn't chucked that... those little mini clips up on the website. Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't you? Didn't you interview Andrew or something like that or something like? Um... I did. Yeah. Uh, 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 not Andrew. What's his name? Aaron. Uh, 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 um, Angel. That guy. Garen. 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 Garen yeah, Angel. that's who I hooked up. Garen. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, yeah. he's an interesting dude. He used to be like a. Yeah. He was a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He's an interesting. No, actually, no, he wasn't. He was a. He was um, <coughs> tipped as one of the top top dudes in um under under forty or something like that on Wall Street. That's what he did. Yeah, that's yeah. What he was. Uh, he's an interesting dude. He spends. He, he's like a bit of a wild child, like we are. Like you like. Do you surf or skate or anything like that? Just jujitsu, bro. Just jujitsu. So, how did you get into that? What like that's kind of like the point of like. Um. Well, like. Lifetime martial artist as a kid, and um, like uh, yeah, karate, kickboxing, Wing Chun, um, and and I kind of moved to New South Wales at one to Melbourne. Um, it was like ninety six or something like that. Um, and I was I was doing like Zendo Kai karate. If anybody knows like old school uh, Australian martial arts history, like Zendo Kai, Bob Jones, they they had their own security crew. They did security for everybody like rich and famous who came through Australia back in the seventies and eighties. And they were notorious for like you know if you didn't break a bone at some point in training in Zendo Kai, then you didn't train hard enough. Um, it wasn't it wasn't that hardcore when I started Zendo Kai, but it was still a gnarly art. And anyway, that was by the time I kind of was a bit older, probably seventeen or something, eighteen. And training, I had a better relationship with the instructors as more of an adult. 
And at that time, UFC, the first UFC was cracking off. So the Gracie family were, you know, doing their thing. They showcased their, their martial arts to the world. That shit's all history now. Every, everybody knows what happened um, because the UFC is so massive. But, uh, you know, at that stage, anybody who was kind of like a lifetime martial artist was captivated by the idea of this scrawny dude coming in and just fucking choking everybody out. And the guy I was training karate with at the time, he'd started doing a little bit of jujitsu. And at that time, this is like 1999, right? So at How old that were you time, then? Like 16? 17. 17, yeah. Um, so at that time, there was uh, maybe three or four black belt, like jujitsu black belts in Australia. Most most people teaching were like, so that the belt structure goes uh, white, blue, purple, brown, black. Most people teaching at that point were like blue belts, purple belts, white belts, even. Um, and and so my karate instructor, he was just learning. And at the end of karate class, he'd show us what he'd been doing that week at his jujitsu class. Right, he was a total white belt at the time uh, in terms of jujitsu, and. And I just loved it straight away. Like something about it clicked. And, um, and how come you never got into? How come you never got into? Um, did you ever get? Or I don't know. Did you ever get into like MMA and like actually fighting in the ring? Not interested. Too pretty, bro. Uh, <laughs> no, I come from like I come from like my the Irish side of my family. Up until my father, we're all like professional boxers or trainers of boxers. And so, yeah, after my dad, like, stopped the line of being punched for a living, it wasn't something that he ever encouraged going back to. He was like, you should know how to throw hands, um, but don't, don't throw hands for money, you know. Um, there's a better game to it. And at that stage, like, MMA didn't really exist when I'm 17, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the UFC is, is, is not like it is now. Happens I was on Spike and TV and I was tiny. yeah. At that point, it's probably even in jeopardy of never existing. You know, the, it, it went through stages. Um, but jiu-jitsu was on the boom. And, but I also turned 18. And when I turned 18, I got much more into the party side of life and I stopped training for a bit. And at about 20, I got back into training I, and I, I knew jiu-jitsu was what I wanted to do because I just loved it so much. And I went and sought out, you know, the best local guy I could find and do you ever compete in jiu-jitsu years do you ever compete in jiu-jitsu at all i've never competed man i've never competed and i, I had a homie that i used to hang out with and he and um, he was um he got he got fifth at fifth at worlds i think and he used to train with dan we had this conversation he used to train yep. with a dude that i knew i don't i used to, I used to sell more pot was um daniel lima and they had five rings and now they've got a different gym but um my mate diego Gigo, he was brazo yeah i mean and he was an interesting cat, man. He used yeah. to work as a security guard at the Cooley Hotel and at the Cooling Gatter. And the Cooley Hotel is yeah. like quite notorious for just. And he always he smoke smoke weed with me, and his in his browser accent, be like, "Well, these guys are so stupid. They try and find me, and it's like it's so funny." And because you spend a lot. Have you been to Brazil? Yeah, like man. your 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 wife or partner is Brazilian? Is that my correct? partner's? Yeah, my partner's from Brazil. Yeah. So, um, look at this is like uh, I got my. I got my first blue belt in like 2001 or something like that. And now I'm 21. Um, so I'm, you know, 
martial arts just like disappeared. It just fell off, completely fell off for like 10 years, nine years, eight years. It just wasn't a, a part of my life. And then um, I broke up with somebody, I put on heaps of weight and, and there was a jiu-jitsu academy down the road. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go back to jiu-jitsu. When I went back to jiu-jitsu, dude, I was 116 kilos. Wow. Really? Right? Yeah. This is seven, eight, eight years ago. Yeah, seven, seven or eight years ago. I think, I think I'm coming up to eight years again. How much um, do you weigh now? 90, 90 95? Huh? Dude, on a, on a heavy day, I'm 85 kilos. Yeah, I weigh 85, 86, something yeah. like that. How tall are you? You're like you're my height. You're, I'm six two. You're like six one, six two, aren't you? Six one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and and like I, I I don't eat super healthy or anything like that. Just train a lot. Well, not at the moment, obviously. Um, but I do. I still get to train a bit because my partner's fucking kick-ass jujitsu practitioner. So yeah, I, I dropped off, man, and then I got back into jujitsu, and um, one of my one of my buddies, Brazilian Brazilian dude, black belt. Uh, we just became hella tight, and his his professor from Brazil uh, came out to Australia a number of times. And when he came out, he'd come out for a couple of months. You know, this is a good lifestyle for him. He's teaching seminars, making Aussie money, uh, and you know, enjoying life. <coughs> and um, we struck up a good friendship. And he's like, "Mate, if you ever want to come to Brazil, you know, the academy is open to you. You know, you, you don't." pay we'll get you somewhere to stay and you're good so and that was around the time i was taking a look at the zoo and going fuck there's nothing there's no movement here i'm yeah fuck it i'll go i'll go so, hang so out you, with some homies that would have that would print so you went to america and then you went to brazil after that did you yeah so i was hopping between right and and so i got to brazil and i, it, I had a bit of a perfect storm the what town the where Huh? Where in Brazil were you hanging out? Uh, so the, the the town I stay is called Petropolis. It's about forty five minutes to an hour outside of Rio. So you're just up in the mountains outside of Rio de Janeiro or Rio de Janeiro, uh, and it's a super friendly, nice town. Three hundred thousand people or something like that. Um, and and my professor owns. He runs one of the you know bigger jiu-jitsu academies there. Um, so I was well looked after. He's got a bunch of cops and stuff that work for him and all that. Um, and I first stayed at uh, a kind of legendary jiu-jitsu figures place. So my jiu-jitsu has a, a bunch of different uh, affiliations. So there's the Gracie family, which is like the start of the jiu-jitsu cult in a lot of ways. And, and these guys, between the two main brothers, they had a bunch of sons, like 15, 16 kids. And, um, <laughs> you know, imagine growing up in that household, right? And um, uh, those boys, some of them love each other. Some of them hate each other. They're all across the world now. Most of them are across America teaching jujitsu. Uh, they've sued each other. That Some of them have trademarked the Gracie name and not let others use it. Like there's a, a massive public feud through members of the family for years and years, right? And... And so there's lineages, different associations. And the association I have is, is to a guy called Pedro Sauer. And uh, Pedro was like the best friend of one of the brothers, yeah? 
and he was like an adopted son, if you like. He lived at their house a lot, or Hickson was staying at Pedro's house when he wasn't there. And they, they, you know, they were just great buddies. And and Pedro is renowned worldwide as, as being one of the most technical jiu-jitsu practitioners. Now, Pedro Sawa jiu-jitsu, the jiu-jitsu I practice, is like it's based on self-defense. So it's always thinking about someone trying to punch you in the face and hurt you really badly and not letting them do that and get into a position where you can hurt them badly instead. Um, and that's the reason I don't compete. Like my, my current professor, I doubt he would know the rule set to sports jujitsu. And that, that like you, you, you talk about martial arts, how they watered down over centuries from like, you know, their, their origins in Asia to like belt making factories for Taekwondo where kids every three months are going for a grading and stepping up their rank and mum and dad are paying, you know, $50 a grading, $30 for the new belt, uh, this and that. And, and you know, the art gets watered down, but that's happened over the course of such a long time. Mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu, you can track it, right, from like 1925 to, 19, to 2020, right? It's almost 100 years of Jiu-Jitsu. Um, or Grace and do you Academy. still train kickboxing or um, karate at all or just jiu-jitsu? Just jiu-jitsu, man. But like I said, we 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 do traditional Gracie jiu-jitsu. So it's a the fight. Doesn't You don't sit down to fight. You, you start fighting standing up. Yeah. So we have a huge stand-up part of our curriculum. Now, it's all based off like a uh, guy grabs you here, guy punches you there, guy grabs you like this, guy grabs you like this. You know, yeah. it, we build that stuff in. But like, fuck this Gracie family man like I spent a lot of time with Pedro I'm very lucky I, I stayed at his house in Brazil for months and um you know he the stories he would tell but Elio the old man the, the father he would go grab a, a, a construction worker you know from from the local site a, the biggest guy he could find you know and he would go hey you see my kid over there and the kid might have been anywhere from 16 to Five, right? He had a bunch of kids. Grab him in a headlock and keep him there. All right. That's your job for today. And I'm going to pay you a week's wage. So I want you to commit to it because if you're good, you can come back next week and do it again. So you've got these fucking oxes of men just, just like, well, I'm just going to hold on for him for dear life, you know, and not let him go. And that's how they would. Tra- now I just want you to grab him here and not let him go. Try to punch at my kid. And, like, he was the crazy old man. Like, there's a movie waiting to happen on Alio Gracie, and it will one day. You know, like... Interesting. That would be an interesting movie. The kid's getting beaten up. Oh, that'd be interesting. The the kid's getting beaten up, takes the kids back and goes, well, now you've got to... He makes sure the kid fights them all one-on-one, you know, instead of all of them jumping his kid. That that sort of shit. And it it was wild. So I I was really lucky to, to fall into that lineage, I think. But when I talk about the sport watering down, you see it. There's sport jiu-jitsu nowadays and sport jiu-jitsu is great it's fun to watch um but but it has rules in it you, you you're never thinking about somebody punching you so how you place your grips and put your hands uh is very different to how somebody who practices my my kind of jiu-jitsu um and for that reason i i wouldn't do well in a tournament i don't one i don't know the rules um have you ever met Kaiborg? Do you know who Kaiborg is? That's also a pop out. Have you ever met Kaiborg, the dude, the Vulcan, the surfer guy? Yeah. Have you met him before? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, no, I've never met him. 
Okay. Well, my friend, my friend, one of my mates that works for me, he works with Volcom for years. He stays at the Volcom house, like or did yep. for a long. Yeah. And he's got some yep. fucking crazy stories because he was the first foreigner to win the world title. I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but that was that back in the day. He's a gnarly dude, bro. Gnarly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Possibly, man. I mean, there is there are so many legendary stories. You want to like. I think one of the coolest badasses in, in martial arts, a dude called Judo Jean LaBelle, all right? And uh, you know uh, Hollywood Story? Yeah. Uh, the, the latest Tarantino film? Yeah, yeah. So that, that Brad Pitt character is very loosely, very loosely based on, uh, on, on a few different stuntmen and, Judo, and Jean LaBelle's one of them. But this bloke, right, when he was young, he was like the first Westerner to go to Japan and compete in uh, a Judo tournaments. And through whatever fucking chance, he's, he arrives in Japan, he's in the hotel, he gives his gi, his uniform to, to the uh, washing service, and it comes back pink. They've washed his white gi with something red, and he's got a pink gi, it's all he's got. He's the first American to go to Japan and compete in a real legitimate judo competition. And he goes, you know what, fuck it, I'll just wear my pink gi. And he wins. It does does this win, he destroys. And people just can't believe it, right? With beautiful judo, and uh, and to this day, that's his trademark. You know, he, he's forever worn his pink gi. It's like, <laughs> it's like the I'm, pink hat, I'm, the Simpsons. The yeah, crazy, exactly right. <laughs> the great hat, yeah, and then I'm always a pink shirt. That's funny. Yeah. I just wear my pink gi, fucking everywhere. So yeah, man. I mean, look, jujitsu. Funnily enough, I've met amazing cannabis contacts through jujitsu. Um, and, and it's it's they're, they're quite synonymous with one another. One of the farms I worked on uh, in California, there was like like within the management team of the farm, there was like three uh, jujitsu black belts. So we like we had mats set up, and uh, we you know whenever we weren't trimming, we were training. Interesting. And so that's how you met. That's how you met your connects in Cali, was it? They were they were they were growing, and then. The next Cali came actually came via um, that all came some of it came through jujitsu, but initially it all came through uh, like music connections, so all through the reggae world. So, do you play music? Or are you like into? Do you are you a musician, or do you just like you just a was, enjoyer of music? I turned my hand at DJing for a while, um, but yeah, I, I haven't DJed out. In, year, in a couple of years now, two or three years. Um, but, I, you know, I used to I used to travel to Jamaica, I used to have a big head of dreadlocks, bro. I used to be all about that reggae lifestyle. That's, pretty, that's cool. I've got, I got some, some killer dub friends, plates from artists. One of my homies that I started this CBD um, uh, company for pets, it's inspired Paul's. He started a, um, a reggae label with Cali P and... Um, the dude from Major Laser. Um, what the fuck's his name? Um, it's not Jamaican. Pyre, is it? It's not no, Empire. No, the James. The um, no, this is an American. This is my um, what's the fucking dude from Major Laser? Um, I can't remember his name. It's Dipper. um, no, 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 no. This this is the Jamaican guy. Um, what's Walshy Fire? Walshy Fire. That's right. So my friend yeah. works a lot with Walshy Fire now, and it's interesting. Yeah. Like, um, I was talking to my, one of my web guys. He does, He's been doing a lot of their um a lot of their websites and stuff for all these big Jamaican fucking reggae artists that, um, that my friend yeah. that Eric knows. Right. 
and he told me that yeah. he got sent a um he had to make a clip for the Jamaican Prime Minister as a shout out from one of the artists that he's working with because he's like the hottest yeah. shit in Jamaican dancehall at the moment. Tell it's, it's really oh, interesting. And they set Jamaica up a fucking is such a weird culture. They set up a um they set up a fucking uh, studio there with Red Bull, right? And they ended up getting fucked yep. over and someone ripped them off. Holy shit. They lost, Town Hall lost a lot of money. That Sounds seems like a, Jamaican to me. Yeah. I've never been to Jamaica. I'd like to go to, I'd like to go to Barbados actually. Uh, Jamaica nice, man. I spent a lot of time in yard. It's, uh, it's a wicked place, but the, cause there's only, there's only 3 million people in Jamaica, right? How's, how good is the pot? Is it pretty good or is it just like whatever? I'm sure it's better nowadays since they legalized it. Like it depends where you go. On the island, you can get good pot, but it's just about always going to have some seeds in it. Yeah, so it's, it's not like American level shit. The like island's small, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. But we're talking three million people, and reggae music is their biggest export, like without a doubt. That's what put Jamaica on the map, yeah. And you know, re- Jamaica's a big slum for the most part, and everybody wants to be the next big artist. Not necessarily to bust out of Jamaica, but at least to get some local street cred, some local credibility or whatever. So yeah. every corner in Jamaica has three or four guys sitting at a sound system who are used to bees, could have been, would have haves, but never made it. You know, singing, still yeah. singing that one tune that they recorded back in 64 or whatever, you know. Um, but the, the arts have, have like real power. They're like, they're almost like uh, local leaders in, in a lot of ways. Like if they want to be, because a lot of people eat off their plate. You know, you go to places like, uh, you go to like uh, Sean Paul place, right? He's got a stew in Jamaica. You go to his, you go to Shaggy's place. They won't be there most of the time. They're living in the States, right? The places, it's the, they've got a recording studio out the back. It's being used by artists. Um and, and there's a staff of people. And then there's just like a bunch of local guys who've lived in that ever area forever who just get paid a little bit of money to look after whatever they do, you know, go fetch some food here and there or whatever. Yeah. And so, it, you know, if, if you are the Jamaican president, and, and look, Jamaica's cultural history, I don't know if you know much about their political history in terms of garrison towns and arming, arming voters to go shoot. You know, mm-hmm. the political opposite. That's the way to acquire votes. The more of them you can shoot. Well, that's why That's why they reckon that Bob Marley got shot was because he tried to pick the a side or something. Or... Two main parties, and you don't get to choose based on, on your values up in a JLP area. You're JLP for life. You know, you, you don't get to stop that. Or if you're PMP, then you're PMP. And so it gets rough over there at election time. Mm, interesting. I've never been to that part of the world. Soon, I hope. I want to move to Costa Rica for a while. Dude, if you, yeah, Rasta Rica, bro. If you if you go to Jamaica, I got you covered. Good. I got well, really maybe good maybe we can really go and insight. maybe we'll go with Most, you. maybe you can come and we'll go with my friend I, with with Eric. My friend lived in Jamaica for I think he lived in it there for a year. I think, and he was fucking that. That was with um. Yep. Yeah, and he said it's interesting. He said it was really fucking pretty cool. Um, but I'd like to, I'd like to go there. That'd be pretty rad. Um, especially now that they've legalized pot. That's, you know, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, do they do they have dispensaries though? There. Do they have weed dispensaries? They do have a couple of dispensaries, but they have it <coughs> like because they have a big um, or prior to COVID, they had a big um, cruise ship yeah. industry. You know, like cruise liners that pull up for the afternoon. 
or for the night. <coughs> and if you pull up to, you know, that side of the island, Montego Bay or whatever, all the locals are set to scam. They want to make as much money as they can. So now, and it takes away from the Jamaican experience a little bit. Now you can jump off a cruise boat, go to a vending machine, order a quarter of weed or a half ounce of weed and go off to your private beach. So and they got it, and they got actually, they've got vending machines, do they? Yeah. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> That's amazing. That's like in Japan. <laughs> it is an ism. Then you go off to your private beach, you smoke your weed, <clears throat> you jump back on the cruise when you get back to LA or wherever. Tell everybody, yeah, I went to Jamaica and smoked some weed, but did you? Did you really? I mean, you, you, part of going to Jamaica and smoking some weed is getting ripped off by a local. You have to get ripped off. Have you ever <laughs> smoked the chalice before? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's yep. what I want to do. I want to do the chalice. I, there's an interesting, um, what's his name? Keith Richards talks about it in his autobiography, how like, yeah. he gets into the sh- with the, you know, the, the OG rosters and <laughs> he's got to hang with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm big up, you know, the Stones spent a lot of time in Jamaica. No doubt. <laughs> they spent a lot of time in Jamaica too. They cut one of their albums with Sly and Robbie. Um, she um, seems like a cool chick. She's gangster. Yeah, but the cool thing about Jamaica, like, dudes who are like, you know, like, it's not hard to go and say hi to Sean Paul, rock up to his house if he's there, especially if you're a white dude in Kingston. He'll, he'll come out and say, hey, what's up? And if he likes you, you'll chat for hours, you know? It's not unheard of at all. I mean, I've interviewed just about every Jamaican superstar. I used to have this little TV channel on Channel 31. And, what, and it's in, just, here in Australia? It, no, in Jamaica. I mean, you get... you get. How long did you live in Jamaica for? I spent about, uh, on a couple of trips, the first trip I was there for like three months. That was like all for the TV show. And then I went back for a holiday for like a month, a couple of years later. Oh, that's well, yeah. But if you've got access, that that's the thing. The media, it's like with girls and getting to people. If you got a camera and you got there for a, a, like a proper reason, then you um you get yeah, access even, to a lot. Yeah, and but next level for that in Jamaica is if you're a white guy with a camera. At the time, I had a head full of dreadlocks. I speak patois like a native. Um, so you know, how'd you learn I how to speak patois? Intrigue- from being in Jamaica and from listening to music, you know, like obsessed with the culture is like an understatement for a part of my life. You know, most of my very best friends are the best reggae DJs in Australia and and some of the best reggae DJs in the world. So um, it's uh, just been obsessive, you know, like when you host a dance, you speak in Patois. It's a, it's a bizarre thing, man. You see Japanese, I mean, reggae is huge. Everything's huge in Japan, right? Reggae is massive in Japan, bro. Yeah. I've met Japanese cats that can speak Patois but can't speak English. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They do everything properly there. Same with Israelis. I've met Israelis that speak Patois and know English. It's bizarre, you know? So, um, yeah, Jamaica is just like the most – because you go to a nightclub, bro. Right? And the equivalent of it would be like every A-list celebrity from Hollywood is there, but not there with any like writs about them. They'll jump up and grab the microphone and sing for five minutes, 10 minutes. Um, they'll be dancing with a hot girl on the dance floor. You can go up and say, hey, what's up? I'm from Australia. I can't believe you're a fucking bounty killer. And you're just sitting there and he'll screw face. You know, why, boy, why aren't we just self man? But you can't have one photo, you know. So it's... 
it's a it's a vibe, Jamaica vibe. Yeah, that that sounds like a pretty cool and place to look, visit. I, I'm gonna the the one thing I miss, man. Like uh, you've traveled a lot, I've traveled a lot, and I think about my kid, right? And coming back to like this COVID thing, yeah. If if legitimately everything in my life after sixty was a roll of the dice for the freedom for my kid to grow up and just be able to go, you know what? I've got a bit of money in the bank. I'm going to go to the Caribbean. I'm going to go to South America. I'm going to, I'm just going to fucking drop shit and do it. I would take that. And I think most parents that have lived a life would take it too, you know? Totally. But it does, but that, but traveling and all this, this is a right. We have free movement. So it like, we need the guillotine fucking, Public executions of all the premiers. Yeah, well, and then put Peter Dutton on there. Might happen in America, but it ain't gonna happen here. Put their fucking heads on spikes on top of the fucking Harbour Bridge. (laughs) In my opinion, (laughs) Peter Dutton on the top—that would be fucking amazing, right? Yeah, man. Fucking crows pecking out his eyes. We'll see what happens with the federal budget this week. That'll be an interesting one as well. So how long do you think before you guys are back to normal or like you have some kind of movement and freedom? Because like, have they announced anything? I think the next step where like I think non-essential shopping can open up, which means we'll be able to open up the shop. And so you can travel outside of your five kilometers. I still don't think you can have anyone to your house. That's October 19. You can't have anyone over to your house? No. No, that's not until like November twenty third or some shit. Really? That well, that how long away is that? It's like six weeks away. Six weeks away still. That sounds horrible. But anyways, it's dude, horrible. on that on that note, it was great chatting to you. Let's do this again. Sometime. It was man. Epic. Um, thanks Epic. for your time, and um, we'll maybe we can get you on man. our on that other show with um with with Jamie and fucking Tom, the other show. That'd I was be great, about with, bro. All right, yeah, chat yeah. soon, man. Enjoy. Thanks Easy, for talking bro. to us. Big up yourself, man. Big up, Appreciate man. it. Um, just before we go, is there anything you want to like put out into the universe and tell people where can they find you on socials and um, you know what kind of projects you got coming up in the immediate future? Yeah, so I know I've been slack, but trust me, there are episodes in the chambers ready to fire. Herbalized podcast with a Z, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify. Anyway, you listen to a podcast, you should be able to find it. And look, man, what I want to put out there, I just want to put out like this conversation is important. It's it's not it's not all a cop out, but it's, something has to come from it. Yeah. So um, hopefully, it sparks something off. But yeah, I think you and I and a few other people out there kind of have a responsibility to take it a step further. So let's look at how we can do that. Yeah, so think about it and then get back to me because, like, I'm, 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 you know, like I know, and that's, I'm pretty good at we're pretty good at making things happen, and um, you know, fuck it, like if we don't do it, no one else will. So, you know, I think it needs to be done, and we probably should fucking lead the movement because, you know, no one else is willing yeah. to put up their own money and their own. But once, too much infighting and all that bullshit. Once like, borders oh. drop, let the other. Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. awesome, man. Have okay, a great day. We'll drop, chat let's soon. Let's get together, man, here or there, and, and we'll, we'll, Fucking we'll know, do something. Maybe we should go on a trip to Jamaica. That's what we should do. Peace. Have a good day.